0: Welcome to the Min Max Show, a good place to forget bad things sometimes. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Jeff Marquiafava. Hey! Uh, And then, a bunch of interesting faces here. Uh, Marcus Stewart, returning champion. Thank you for being here, Marcus.
1: Hey, hey. Yeah.
0: Marcus Makes Media's YouTube channel. Um, I saw you've been streaming Halo 3 recently.
1: Yeah, doing a series called Finishing the Fight where I'm going through the the back half of the Halo games that I've not played, getting ready for Halo Infinite. So it's going to be uh, Halo 3 now, then move on to ODST 4, and then I'm going to replay 5, which I did play but without
0: playing any of the prior games. So Oh, weird. What is yeah. um what's your memory of 5? Positive, negative, uh blah. It seemed like from my read it was a lot of meh, eh, but that ending is a little bit nuts. What was your read overall?
1: um considering the only campaign i touched before it was reach um it was like okay uh cortana's bad now i know i know enough to know that she wasn't bad before and even like i don't know if it's because society had kind of like influenced me but i was like watching it and i was like feels stupid right <laughs> is this just me <laughs> <laughs> I, was yeah, like, I don't know why a- like this even as someone with no context this feels a little dumb so i'm really excited to get back to it having played the rest of the series to see um why people were kind of upset at that game right right the campaign and stuff so yeah it'll be interesting
0: uh we're also joined by Brian Vore oh who has muted his mic somehow <laughs> one more time <laughs> Brian Vore <laughs> really <laughs> okay there you go hey, now we got it you, now we got you. <laughs> that's weird hey brian you're an old uh voice um if people remember their game informer history they probably remember you and your smiling face and your laughs during replay but what was your run at game informer what era were you
2: oh geez uh i was um i was a good 11 years there uh i think around was it 2004 to mid 2015. Okay. So I was, I started out on that, like as an advertising assistant and an intern. And, uh, I did like the two or three man version of game Informer online. That was, uh, way different than what you see now. Uh, and then I had a very brief, sweet period of being print only,
0: (laughs) which you have one monthly
2: deadline, which is unbelievable. Um, and then, uh, of course, you know, when we launched, relaunched the previous relaunch of what is now Game Informer, um, you know, everyone was all on everything, but
0: all over yeah. the place. And then you left to move out to the San Francisco area to do some social media for the wrestling games for a very, very long time. And now you are back in Minnesota? Yes,
2: finally back. It feels good. Um, you know, it's nice there's like rain here and stuff. And, oh, interesting. Uh affordable housing, it's great.
0: Yeah, Minneapolis <laughs> has its problems these days, but hey, we got rain. So what are you gonna do? Come on by, ladies and gentlemen. Uh well, Brian, uh, thank you for being here. Also joined by Charles McGregor. Hello. Welcome, welcome. Uh Charles, this is your first time on the show, but it's a confusing history because it's not your first time in the MinMax studio, even though you aren't there right now. Uh because yes. We recorded a whole season of a podcast for Glitch called Hello Player uh, that you were really the star of because you are the sole developer of HyperDot.
3: Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, it's a really weird thing because I've also technically been on the podcast, but as an audience member at VGM Con. (laughs) So, so yeah, yeah, it's been a really uh, confusing kind of thing there.
0: Yeah, and then you're always jumping in on Twitch for great Cody hunts and stuff. At Dark A's TG, I think, is your name on Twitch and the, disc- and the yes. Discord. Yeah, awesome. Well, hey, thanks for being here, sir. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Hyperdot. Now that the thing is out the door, uh, how are you feeling? How was the whole experience? Tell us, like, the most satisfying moment of creating a great game all by yourself and then launching it out into the world.
3: Um, oof, jeez, so tough. Uh, no, uh, probably one of the more satisfying uh experiences in terms of like the game itself uh has been like just seeing like the responses from um people and like them reaching out and going out of their way to reach out to me uh i've gotten like some emails or some uh dms on twitter and and stuff like that uh just like saying that they really appreciate the game and like that kind of stuff is just like mind blowing i have no idea mm-hmm. how uh i've created something that uh has has impacted them in in that kind of way. And that's just, yeah, it's just amazing.
0: There's a very sweet thread a while ago uh, where Greg Miller called you to congratulate you on the game. And you're a huge kind of funny fan. And I think your heart and face melted off.
3: Uh, Yes, (laughs) that was a really accurate uh, statement because I was just (laughs) from after that call, uh, I had a, I was going to uh, my old high school to like show off HyperDot and like talk to the students and stuff. And, that was not, uh, I was like, I have no idea what to do now. How do I, how do I operate? Luckily, they just wanted to play the game and they actually didn't want to talk to but,
4: <laughs> but yeah,
0: But I love the idea of like, you know, being, ner- you're probably a little bit nervous about like going to the school and talk about it. And then it's just like yeah. having a lightning bolt of nerves, yeah. of just talking to Greg Miller out of the blue. Then it's just like, all right, rest of the day, easy pickings. This is going to be great. Yeah. no problem
3: yeah after that i was just like okay yeah no more and like this is nerves the the other stuff not nerves that's that's nothing anymore
0: right uh and hyperdot it's on game pass now right
3: yeah so uh that was um also like what the hyper thing i made is on xbox game pass um uh so yeah you can actually get uh both on the xbox and the pc uh with uh game pass which is just again like
0: well no, nothing makes sense yeah and so uh we you know you supported uh, minmax in a big way thank you for that along with glitch and so we were plugging hyperdot throughout the month and i felt like it was every week just being like hey people please leave a review on steam how are the steam reviews doing have you have you crossed a threshold to have the very positive or overwhelmingly positive or whatever that would be yet
3: uh, so we haven't uh, crossed that threshold largely because we have—we definitely have enough uh, reviews. It's just a lot of them have come from uh, other sources, whether it be like itch, um, or uh, they've gotten like a key through uh, like one of our give- uh, giveaways and stuff. Yeah. Um. So, uh, Steam doesn't count those towards that. Uh, positive we're one away from being able to actually get a positive uh,
0: review <laughs> so please if you're watching this or listening to this check out hyperdot it's awesome and leave a steam review if you can um jeff did you ever end up finishing hyperdots challenges i haven't no
5: but i do want to go back to it
0: it is one of those cool. uh loved it obviously before it came out loved it when it came out and now throughout 2020 i think it's just going to sit in that tier of like oh, I need to get back to Hyperdon. It's like that perfect (laughs) level of just pick up and play Mm -hmm. arcadey Twitch reflexes. If you like Geometry Wars, definitely check it out. Um, The Game Pass thing. I know you can't um, flash the legal paperwork on the screen, but how does that work? Do you get like just a big wad of money or is it by the downloads or how does the whole Game Pass experience work from a developer's point of view?
3: um so yeah so there's redacted redacted and redacted <laughs> also redacted plus reda- no um mm-hmm. uh so uh, there are some like nda things that i can't talk about which also is weird that i have nda things i can't talk about but um uh there's uh it's basically it's similar to if you're familiar with like playstation plus um where like a developer would be uh or there's like a uh a, a agreement between like i guess in this case it would be xbox or microsoft uh between the two beforehand and then you would get a payout. away
0: and wait what was the last part you cut off for a second
3: oh sorry yeah you would get a payout that way you would get a payout with um oh. you would have like some type of agreement beforehand
0: so um, okay gotcha so yeah. with game pass it's just like that volume of feedback and streams and then it's not a matter of getting paid per download but it's kind of still be super satisfying to see
3: Oh yeah, it has. It was insane. Uh, like the first three days, uh, specifically, just like the influx of people uh, playing the game and like getting all these like tweets of, uh, "Oh, I hate the triangles," or oh, "These <laughs> these stars suck."
0: <laughs> oh, Turns out, yeah, when you're playing uh, Hyperdad, you learn to hate every shape under the sun.
3: Yes. Oh, it's so it's so satisfying, um, especially <laughs> because there's there's a hater for every uh, shape. Oh, and that's good. what I love is that every the, everyone has their own
2: uh hated
3: shape. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I thought the most
2: you... like surprising feedback that you got like on day 1 that you were like you came out of left field.
3: Ooh, came out of left field? I think the most surprising thing uh that I got was uh actually it was a little bit before uh, the game pass stuff. Um but it was on the uh, accessibility stuff. Um, we beforehand had like a huge campaign for. Um, uh, we had uh, gave early access to streamers who had disabilities um, and had them play the game and then give us feedback on trying to get uh, like figuring out. Oh, is there things that we can do to make this uh, more accessible uh, and streamline for them? Um, and uh, after the game first uh, launched, we uh, we had received a ten out of ten. In both accounts, on uh, I believe it was, can I play this? Um, It was, which is like an accessibility uh, uh, review site, which is just like what that that doesn't make sense. Again, all like none of none of these things make sense to me. It's just like (laughs) these are long long uh, standing. Oh, yeah, I really want to do this. I'll do this in the future, kind of things. And now the future is here.
0: (laughs) I like the idea of you busting your ass to be uh, an indie game developer for years and years and years and years and years. And and then you achieve success. And it's like, oh, no, this isn't real. okay, moving on. You just got to let it sink in, (laughs) Charlie. But uh, I thought of you the other day with The Last of Us 2 uh, gameplay that Naughty Dog revealed. Um, and uh, how much they emphasize the Vita in there? Because outside of maybe Greg Miller, kind of funny, you're the world's biggest uh, Vita defender. Oh, I
3: love the Vita. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I have—I actually have two Vitas off camera uh, over there. So yeah, I'm—I'm I'm totally on that Vita island.
0: And you have those two, so you can make them kiss.
3: Uh, well, the first one I had broke, so then I got a second one, but then I fixed the first one, so now I have two. <laughs> okay,
0: perfect. <laughs> Uh, obviously, uh, MinMax is based out of Minnesota, based out of Minneapolis. This is a very bizarre time for Minneapolis and bizarre time for the country and, uh, the world. Um, and it's been stressful. It's been surreal. I mean, driving through the streets of Minneapolis, is just like, oh man, I love this town. I've always loved this town. I want to say I love this town, but it feels weird to say that without a comma now and be like, But it it obviously has its issues, and those are coming out in in full force here. Uh, Marcus, you had an interesting message on Twitter where you just said, like, you know, it's important to stay positive during all of this and, like, try and see the upside, which I appreciated.
1: Yeah. um, You know, like everyone else, this has uh, been extremely stressful, and um, I've felt a lot of anxiety from all this. um, But what's gotten me through it is just, like, at least trying to focus on all the cool stuff that people are doing And um, like whenever I see videos of just the protest and just all the crazy stuff, a lot of times I just see like the way people are going out of their way to help each other. You know, people that are hurt or just random acts of kindness like that. Like that's the stuff that um, really makes me happy and kind of like a, uh, you know, like kind of like a restoring faith in humanity kind of thing. Seeing that and also just the the overwhelming amount of support for the movement is nice to see, like, this would be more upsetting if if most people didn't care or kind of had the opposite reaction right. with the fact that it feels like most people, especially, like, people that I, I know and surround myself with, are all just like, oh, no, yeah, this is messed up. Yeah, this is a problem. We should do something about this. Is uh, It's, like, uh, validating and, like, reaffirming in, like, a, a cool way. You know, it always sucks that it takes something really bad to kind of bring that out of people, but... Um, it, it's, it's really awesome to know that, that we're all in this, like we're all on the same page on this and that, uh, you know, that everyone's awesome. You know, it's, uh, it's, you <laughs> know, <Nice laughs> <seat ball. laughs> it's yeah. a, it's a, yeah, it's a tricky thing to, um, to, to kind of talk about, but, um,
0: yeah, no, I, I hear you. And it's, yeah, it, it's a weird, and Jeff, I'm curious if you if you've gone through this too, but it's like, you know, it's like, okay. Yeah. Black lives matter. Got it for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Tragedy, tragedy, tragedy. And then, I think throughout the last week, it's been this wave of like I knew it was bad, but Jesus Christ, oh Jesus Christ, nobody's listening out there. Oh, this is so bad, it's like it's been just the waves of descending deeper and deeper into, okay, yeah, uh, it turns out we need to be screaming about this. I thought like, well, surely this system will course correct, and that's uh my own idiotic nature or maybe optimistic nature, and you realize like that's not. We need to do something here. It is time to act. It's not just time to, to tweet something out and then go on about your day.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I don't know. What's your last week been like, Jeff? Uh,
5: it's been just really hard to process, I think, more than anything. Um, you know, like I've cried a couple times just watching the news because I I think that's when it has really hit me. And... And, uh, and sometimes it's, it's for good reasons. Like Marcus has been saying where they, you know, they highlight that these neighborhoods coming together to actually help each other and support each other. That always makes me a little emotional. Um, but yeah, it's, I don't know what the hell's going on anymore at
0: this point. It is. Yeah. It's just the weirdest feeling of like, Oh, it's very clear. People aren't listening. These seem like very clear statements and it's hitting a brick wall after brick wall. Uh, yeah, Charles. I saw you you tweet the other day. Just you're a little bit fried from the Twitter experience.
3: Yeah, uh, just like social media in general. I was I've been uh, trying to get off of um, uh, for the past week, largely um, because uh, I like I've or the music or not the music. the The news has been on uh, basically constantly right. uh, since uh, from like when it happened to um, maybe Saturday night. Um, and it's just been like super draining to, uh, have that on all the time and, uh, like consume all of that. You want to, you want to react, you want to, uh, do something about it, but like, uh, so much of it coming in at one time and then not being able to just like turn it off. Um, that, well, yeah, that was definitely something that I was trying to be more conscious of, of, uh, having like some type of mental, uh, mental health or mental stability, I guess.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's so yeah, Twitter. It's always a mess, you know. I was listening to a friend of the show's blank checks podcast about Mad Max: Fury Road, and they kept saying that that movie is just a giant analogy for Twitter. And I can't get it out of my mind. I'm just <laughs> screaming and hot takes, and people going, like, "I am the leader over here!" No, I am. It's just chaos. It's just so much, and it'll completely fry you. Um, and so something something that I was really refreshed by overall is uh, on. Tuesday, Tuesday evening, we launched um, MinMax's next charity drive, which it's been a little while because of COVID. We've kind of slowed down on that because it normally culminates in a community meetup, but we're like, F it. Let's just launch it. Ana Diaz uh, over here was a, a huge component of that, choosing the charity and, and giving a lot of great advice and stuff. And so we launched this. And so it's a it's a GoFundMe and it's called MinMax Rebuilding Minneapolis. The link is in the description. Also, uh, the pinned comment here on the YouTube version. Um And so it's all about rebuilding North Minneapolis because I think there are a lot of donations flooding into certain areas, certain funds overall. But actually being in Minneapolis here, Ana brought up a good point. They're like, hey, a lot of these uh, predominantly black neighborhoods are getting hosed in terms of attention uh, when it comes to rebuilding the businesses and supporting the businesses here. that have been affected both by COVID and by everything else that's been going on here in Minneapolis. Um, And so if you'd like to feel good, feel better, try and make some action, we encourage you to go there. And uh, 100% of those proceeds are going directly to uh, a specific initiative here from the West Broadway Business and Area Coalition and they're partnering with uh, Northside Funders Group and so we're going to be depositing all that money uh, and donating it for them. Um, and it's It is that weird flip of just feeling overwhelmed on every front and then also just Twitter and getting fried from Twitter and just Getting sick of just a lot of people just posting messages of "Hey, Black Lives Matter." All right, moving on. You know, and it's like it's just so nice to have some way to act and to to show that. And the community has been beyond amazing so far. Uh, we keep setting goals on this charity drive, and they keep shattering them. Uh, so it has been absolutely amazing. So please check that out. Um, and any amount that you can help donate would be appreciated, or you know, just a retweet, help sharing the spreading the word we'd appreciate that as well um brian how are you doing over there have you gotten out in minneapolis much uh i mean it's got to be bizarre to come back to the city that you love and see it in the state that it's in
2: you know it was tricky i i traveled across country um to get our car back uh during covid stuff and i was like well this is the weirdest it's gonna be (laughs) but yeah um no it's uh Obviously, um, you know, a lot of all this stuff has been boiling, you know, I guess for, you know, for like a white guy, it's been boiling under the surface. You've seen the news, you see, uh, you know, a lot of the, um, you know, when someone gets, a black person gets killed, uh, it it flares up and it's, it's like, now we're at the point where, um, you know, it just boiled over and I'm just trying to learn and listen and uh, really just um, hopefully we can kind of get the reforms that we need and get things changing. And yeah, you know, like everyone's saying, like, it's, it's been great to try to hopefully focus on, you know, the, uh, the good work that's coming out and great to see that you uh, started the fundraiser uh, to help out and um, you know, putting, people putting things into action has, has been, uh, been the best things to follow.
0: Yeah. For me. For sure. Uh, does anybody else want to say anything else about this experience mm-hmm. so far?
4: Uh,
2: you
1: know, hang in there. Everyone, all of us, you know, uh, like you said, Ben, you know, try to do your part. Like if you can't, you know, like protest, if you're gonna do that, you know, try to be safe for the love of God, <laughs> and, you know? Yeah. Um, 'cause Cause uh, things are wild out there. Um, if you can't, don't feel guilty about it. Like I, like personally, like I would like to go, but I can't just for um because I live with someone who, uh, is like, a mute, uh, compromised immune system, so mm. I can't risk catching you know cooties and bringing them back here. <laughs> right. Um. So you know, like, do your part. Look up, you know, plenty of charities. I've been retweeting some stuff. Um. Everyone pretty much is so you know give what you can it doesn't have to be a lot i know a lot of us are still out of work or just now getting back to work and trying to uh rebuild our finances after being home for a month or so right um but you know every every little bit counts just um and i think brian brought up a great point like learning to like if you don't understand like what it is but you care like learning to just listen just sit down and just listen like what is what is really the underlying like reasons behind all this anger like i want to know and not just like oh yeah sure that's that's bad i guess right whatever yeah yeah because that's where like real reform and change comes from is understanding
0: yeah and it's so bizarre you know the media will obviously gravitate always towards you know the the riots, the biggest moments, the biggest explosions of this entire event, and then you can watch live streams of peaceful protests all day. And it's like, oh yeah. right, this this is the voice that's the voices that aren't getting hurt. This is the stuff that's not getting out there. And it, I mean, from my vantage point, it seems like Minneapolis is shifting in a positive direction overall. Bigger uh, peaceful protests overall, um, and it's really great to see. And I, I hope uh, the voices reach where they need to reach. Um, obviously, because of this. Sony decided to delay the PlayStation 5 stream that they were going to have on Thursday. We were... Remember how naive we were last week, Jeff? And we were like, oh, man, can't wait for that PlayStation 5 stream. On next week's episode of the podcast, we're going to be talking all about PlayStation 5 games. Yep. So dumb. Uh, I went
2: and and watched last week's episode, and I was like, oh, you guys are in for it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that didn't happen. Um, And so they delayed that. I don't believe they gave a date or a time for it either. It's just they'll reveal it when the world's ready. And so who the hell knows when everything's going to feel quote unquote normal again, it's just a chaotic thing. Um, also a lot of people were sharing a bizarre image of the LA convention center, which we know is the home of E3. Um, people were saying, Oh, it's kind of like a military base now, like with the amount of police around there, Humvees parked out there. It's just a good reminder of the state of the United States that right now and what, a, uh, chaotic time it is but on the flip side we could think a little bit about how next week was going to be the start of e3 you know in a in a normal year this weekend is when we'd be flying out to cover e3 uh and that's not happening this year. And so we thought, you know what? It might be a good time to go back and reflect on some of our favorite E3 memories. Uh, going to E3 both as a developer, uh, as a press. Uh, Brian, also on the publisher side, did you end up going to E3? I did
2: not. Um, didn't but, end up really fitting into the kind of marketing plan uh, for that specific title. So Gotcha. Just didn't really end up happening.
0: Yeah. Uh, I guess in total I ended up going to, let's see, 2011 was my first and then 2019 was my last and maybe the world's last. Marcus, how many have you been to? I've been to four 2016 to
1: 2019.
0: Okay. Jeff, do you have any count? Uh, like a half dozen. I can't okay. remember. Uh, and Charles, as a developer last year, is that your first time?
3: that was my first time
0: oh yeah. my god uh <laughs> what was it like for you you want to walk us through your experience of E3 last year
3: sure um it was uh again like like i'm checking a box off of bucket list stuff of like <laughs> i have for the longest time e3 has been something on my screen uh that i've like tuned into um but like yeah actually being able to attend uh at e3 and then not only do that but then like show a game off there, but then not only do that, also be like on the Microsoft stage showing a game out, out there is just, just uh-huh. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, like that kind of stuff is just like it's it was amazing. Uh, it was super exciting, but like really nerve-wracking to actually get it out in front of uh, uh, players and other developers and um, other like in press and stuff. Yeah. Uh, in E3, it was just like it's a really bizarre experience, especially uh, the first day that uh, E3 uh, like, uh, was open. We, it was basically from, uh, I want to say it was from 8 in the morning until 10 at night that we were uh, manning the booth. And being like, okay, yeah, so he was hyperdot, and then we went through the whole spiel, and we got that down the first day, and they're like, okay, now we have to do this until Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> um, luckily, it was a lot lighter uh, loads um, the the rest of the week, but like yeah. it was still still a tough experience in terms of like, oh man, there's a lot of a lot of people coming through uh, and stuff like that, but it was just uh, surreal and amazing. Especially, uh, I was um, we were located like next to Ghost Recon. And then oh, in front of us was uh, Madden and we were like, no, this isn't, this is like, if I, the only way that these two or these two things would be next to each other, uh, next to like HyperDot would be if I was on a website and it was my blog and then I just saw <laughs> an ad for micro or for Madden and Ghost Recon. So yeah, yeah it, it was just bizarre. Well, did, you gonna, did you ever see the, uh, did you see the Punisher and his dog? Did not. I, so I didn't even get a chance to go to E3 proper because what? I was at the Microsoft
0: Theater. Oh. I know, right? Mm. Oh, yeah, because it's a separate did, building over there. How long did your voice last?
3: <laughs> uh, luckily, it actually lasted the entire time. We had a whole bunch of cough drops. We were prepared for that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we were just down in cough drops and being like, hey, this is HyperDot. Please play our game <laughs> and we... all this other stuff. It was a lot of fun. What we also it? learned um, that there is a pin economy. So if you want, like, exclusive pins, E3 is the place for that. Um, Yeah. And then we were actually lucky enough, uh, fortunate enough, we were showing off the uh, Microsoft Adaptive Controller. Uh, We were one of the few stations to actually have that available there. Um, And so we had Adaptive Controller pins, which... Uh, definitely helped people come over and be like, so I heard you had those adapt controller pins. You,
0: you monsters. You they don't give give care it about <laughs> it. Not at all. It's
1: like, it's like playing the world's end with, ends with you in real life. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you
2: got to play at least 10 minutes to get the pin. Fine. I'll talk some triangles. Like <laughs> <play> <laughs> uh,
0: Brian, what was your first E3? Uh,
2: I actually looked it up just because I knew that's kind of what the theme of the podcast was going to be. It was uh two thousand five, so old oh, timer here. That's insane. Um, I wasn't on editorial. I was kind of there to help out, kind of the ad ad team, provide a little support there. Oh, weird. Uh, so I started out the day like, okay, we need you to hang out with these GameStop employees and uh, pass out issues of Game Informer at the entrance. Okay. Uh. So I did that for maybe 15 minutes and then Billy Burkham was like, hey, uh, can you go around and get press kits from all the booths inside the the show floor? I was like, yep. (laughs) 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 I just left like a little smoky outline of myself (laughs) and spent the whole day walking around. Uh, I had a little digital camera, so I was just like taking pictures of everything.
0: Oh, do you still have
2: um, those photos? Oh yeah, I went and looked through the mall. I think I think there's a lot of stuff you'd enjoy. There's uh there's um a, a statue of Shadow the Hedgehog. Uh <laughs> perfect time and place. <laughs> there's a picture of me with the Batman Begins uh Tumbler cuz that movie was about to come out. Oh, <laughs> oh weird. <wow>. Uh <laughs> there was a Matrix game uh that was being demoed where people could uh like sit in one of the Matrix chairs, you know, where your your head's get plugged in. Oh, cool. And uh there was like six or seven monitors, like, put up so you could play the game, and it didn't look very comfortable. The guy that I took a picture of sitting there is just like, Ugh.
0: But, yeah. Uh, in terms of like the Matrix fantasy, the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, it was a cool setup. I like the idea of like you know in the Matrix fantasy. There's a range of options. Number one on that list is sitting in that dirty ass chair and getting something stuck in the back of your hand.
2: Gross dentist chair, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: It's absurd, uh, but i
2: I did eventually get in trouble for not handing out magazines, but it was, worth it. Oh. <laughs> it was awesome. oh, that's good
0: uh yeah, Marcus. I was thinking about e three and like mm. i I followed it for so many years as a fan and then getting to go for the first year in twenty eleven and now, after going so many times, it's like it's a tough thing to convey, and maybe like live streams I think help convey it a little more, but it's just like it's the mood at least you know it's coming out from Minnesota and just going to l a carrying. A lot of video equipment on the hot LA streets, and then just like the excitement in the air. And it's like it feels like a very satisfying payoff for knowing the industry well. Because you're walking around those halls, especially that long hallway, and just mm-hmm. scanning every phase, like, oh, that developer made this. This developer made this. Oh, I'm walking by Hiwe Kojima all of a sudden. This is a miracle. Like it's just that weird, intangible thing that is tough to convey in video, I think.
1: Yeah, it's um, I think everyone agrees that like before you go to one, like it's always felt like Video game Willy Wonka's factory. Yeah, and you're like, oh my god, like this is where all the magic happens But you're like I you can't just go you need a golden ticket to get in and like the golden ticket is being an industry somehow And that was also like always my bucket list thing It's like oh, I, I you know watching every year and reading about it in Game Informer and other magazines like oh my god How do you how do you get in like how do I how do I get to that? Um, and then you know eventually I was fortunate enough to to go and yeah, it's uh, it's overwhelming, especially for me, because like um, so I went 2016, which was the last industry only event. They started opening up to the fans in 2017, so I got it, it. I was happy. I'm glad I got to go to like the last of like E3 of old. Yeah. Um, And it was also my very not only just my first E3, but it's also my first convention covering it as press. And it was also my first game convention in general. Oh, it was only the second. Oh, yeah. So it was like, all right. It was very much like, you're going to learn today kind of thing. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> like, all right, here you go. You're going to learn how to do this at like, the biggest event in the year. Figure it out. Good luck. <laughs> was it hard to cover? Um I mean, I, you know thankfully, like, the, the years that I went, I was with um, with uh, Jack Gardner in Extra Life. Yeah. Um, which, you know, shout out to her because she helped me a lot with getting my feet wet with that stuff. But that first year, you know, figuring out how to do what, you know, you guys did pretty much and how to do it well like you know like a lot of mistakes like i i the first like that first year i brought like my bag but like my relatively heavy laptop and just carried that around I was like well i got to type everywhere right that's how you do this right and actually i'm um, jeff um you're the reason actually you helped me out because i remember bumping into you on the show floor and this was like a couple months or whatever after my internship so i, I went up to you and i said hi and you were playing something and we chatted for a bit and i noticed that you had like a little little like Hand-sized notebook that you were using to take notes, and I remember just glancing at that, and then just having this epiphany like, "That's such a good idea! Why am I (laughs)
0: a (laughs) notebook for notes? Why am I carrying
1: this heavy-ass thing around?" (laughs) 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 Because before I would have to like sit down and like find a little random spot in the Congress hall and find like an outlet and then like, oh, I got to write this thing up real quick that I just saw. And I would just be sitting there and people like trying to step over my stupid legs and stuff. <laughs> like at one point, like Reiner walked by and just kind of looked at me like, oh, it's that intern guy. What's he doing sitting there? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, sure. Yeah, literally every year since then, every convention I've done, I have got like a little little notebook that I keep in my little back pocket because of you. So thank you for that. Oh. There we go.
0: <laughs> Very smart. How did you learn to improve the, the covering of E3, Jeffum, over all your years? Huh? How'd you learn to improve your coverage of E3? Like what what'd you learn along the way that works and doesn't work?
5: Um, well, it may have been more specific for us at GI, but I think it was it was the not trying to write up absolutely everything that you see. Yeah. And just mm-hmm. yes. Being being more selective and then at some point in the years, just kind of taking the time to also go see the things that you're excited about and coming up with another way to cover those things.
0: Right. Yeah. It's that that weird temptation, I think, for, you know, throughout my first couple of years, like, oh, we got to do a video preview on everything. Or, you know, if you're a writer, it's like we need to write all these stories. And you realize they're just being bumped off the main page or bumped on the Twitter feed Mm -hmm. immediately. Like you need to swing a little bit bigger and have an interesting headline, even if it's like a jokey headline, just like try and make something memorable that stands out and so yeah that's definitely a bizarre uh trend over time of just hopefully getting smarter and smarter with that and then I guess it was like well I guess even like the first year that I went to E3 so it was 2011 um I was like oh I'm gonna try and take advantage of this opportunity because all these developers are gonna be here wouldn't it be cool to have like developers interview each other one-on-one and so I lined up an interview one-on-one between Notch who i you know who was cool at the time um, and, then, <laughs> and Todd Howard because uh, I had gone on the Skyrim cover story trips like oh okay I know Bethesda I know Todd Howard a little bit like this is doable and so lined up this one on one interview between them uh, filmed it you can find it on the Gameformer's YouTube channel um, and it became clear very quickly that something was lost in the communication along the way and that Todd Howard did not know that this was going to be a like hey Todd this is your chance to interview the creator of Minecraft he thought that You it was going to be moderated by me or somebody else from Game Informer even though I went back and double checked I was very clear that this is a weird (laughs) video and it's going to be one on one and so it's a little bit uncomfortable uh, but still fun to see those two talking like it was fun to have Notch talking about like you know how he would role play Oblivion and how into Oblivion he got and stuff like that and then there eventually was like that weird Skyrim pack in for Minecraft that I'm sure wasn't a result of this uh, discussion but still fun that like Oh, they came back together again, and then also came back together again when Bethesda screwed Mo or uh, sued Mojang for the Scrolls video game they were developing. It's a long story, but I'm really happy that you know all the years I went to E3, I tried to have that like developer on developer interaction, like every year that rolled around, trying to line up new ones, and then eventually it just grew into hosting the Game Former Show podcast there, and then like okay. Trying to find like a corner of the convention center where we can film this long form discussion is impractical. Let's just get a place that we can bring developers to and then just make it a podcast instead of this uh, edited video that goes up a week later or something like that, you know.
1: Just talking about that, have you guys ever had any um, like really awkward interactions with either a developer or a personality that you were a, a fan of or knew of? Um, so I feel like that's it's kind of like a mandatory thing that happens at some point.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of that. It's it's normally like – let's see. I'm trying to remember. There was one year where mm. – I forget who I was with. I was with some other reporter that I didn't know too well. Um, and we're at a party and uh, Suda51 was there. And just mm. like maybe four months before that or something like that, I was in Japan and we went to Grasshopper and I interviewed Suda. Um, Dan Reichert interviewed him about wrestling and it was <laughs> bizarre, but that video is also up on Game Informer's YouTube channel. Um, and so the, dev- or the reporter that I was with was a huge Suda51 fan. And I genuinely was enough of a turd where I was like, oh yeah? I, like he was walking by and I'm like, hey, get ready for this. And I was like, hey Suda, good to see you. Because he speaks like a little bit of English. And Suda had no memory of me, obviously, no <laughs> clue who I was. It's was like, okay and he just like kept on walking he's like alright well I tried to be a cool big shot and be like I know Suda <laughs> on a first name basis like he doesn't know who the hell I am <laughs> some idiot white guy that went oh, to his studio God. for four hours <laughs> like,
1: I had I had something like that actually my first E3 I the first and only time I've met Greg Miller um, I saw him at GameSpot stage earlier in the day doing Greg Miller stuff and I watched him for a bit I was like oh cool and then a couple hours later I saw him on like one of the concourse hallways and it was weirdly empty it was just us two coming at each other and i Charging. was like i see him coming and i'm like in my head like oh my god it's greg miller i should say hi but i kept like no i shouldn't like looking at my feet looking at him looking at my feet looking at him and I was like no i'm gonna say hi so unfortunately by the time i decided this he had just kind of passed me so like he i had to like turn around and be like oh hey and then this is like <laughs> <laughs> and in my mind this is already a disaster because now he has to stop and turn around to see who the stranger is that's yelling at him, like it was basically like like an Elder Scrolls game, like when an NPC talks to you and they do that terrifying, oh, really do jarring it. like zoom in, yeah, like, <laughs> yep. I, yeah, like basically I, I oblivioned Greg Miller, and uh, and he's just like, what, the, oh, hi, and I'm like, oh hi, I, like I just started stumbling, like it all just poured out, like oh, like I saw you on GameSpot's thing earlier, you know, great job, man, like something like that, something really dumb. And the whole time he's just looking at me, like raising an eyebrow, like, like he's trying to figure out who I am. And then eventually he goes, oh, I didn't know you were there. I'm so sorry. It's good to see you. And then that throws me off. So I'm like, what? Like, does he think that he knows me? Right. And, um,
4: yeah. and I think
1: in his head, he assumed that he should know me and was going through, like, his database of people trying to be like, who is this guy? Like, I think I'm supposed to know this guy and was maybe playing it off. Um, so then we're just kind of like staring at each other for about like three seconds, just looking like, uh, like what's happening here <laughs> until eventually it's like, can I get a picture of you? And he's like, yeah. And then we just took a really, quick <laughs> 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 selfie that I still have. And then we went about our, our lives and pretended that never happened. That's um,
0: I try to think of like embarrassing stuff. I remember, um, was it 2013? <laughs> I, I lined up Greg Kasavin <clears throat> from Supergiant. Um, and I was like, "Hey, which developer would you like to talk to?" Because that's normally how those like one-on-one developer things uh, started. I was just chose somebody that I knew a little bit and said, "Like, hey, who do you want to talk mm-hmm. to?" Because maybe we can we can line it up. And he's like, "Oh, I want to talk about Richard. I want to talk to Richard Garriott about Ultima." I was like, "Okay, yeah, totally doable, I guess." And we managed to line up the interview. And so it was just one-on-one in this little side room at the convention center. And then Felicia Day came with Greg as well to meet Richard Garriott and talk about Ultima. And so I was manning two cameras, and one of them is what's called a monopod. So it's just like one pole, but it's got like little feet on the bottom. And so I was bouncing back and forth, just like changing where the two cameras are at, just changing the camera angles. And I got to the point where I'm like, okay, there's little feet on this monopod. I think I can let this stand. So I just let it balance there precariously and then went to go adjust the other camera and then in the middle of their interview the camera just just smashes into the ground they are thrown (laughs) off like oh my god is your camera okay is the interview still going on what happened i just felt like the biggest rookie (laughs) idiot in front of these three you know industry icons just been like oh sorry i thought it would stand up on its own i don't know (laughs) stupid
3: oh man
0: uh jeff do you have a favorite developer experience or just defining moment of e3
3: Uh,
5: um, I, I guess the, I, I didn't geek out a ton by, you know, with the interviews that I did, but I did, um, I interviewed the creator of Metroid. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and that was kind of that, that was the one point where I was like, this is super cool. Like I'm, I'm happy that I'm interviewing this guy and I've, I've been such a fan. And then I, you know, I told him, I asked him if he was ever going to make a 2D Metroid, and he was like, well, if the fans want it. And I was like, I want it. I want it. Please make it for me. <laughs> he said Eureka. Uh, yeah, but just, I mean, and, and then a lot of, some of my favorite ones were just interviewing smaller indie developers because because they don't do, you know, a ton of interviews all the time and and they're just so much more passionate of, I mean I guess I shouldn't say that. I I guess everyone's passionate about the games that they're making but I I just had I've had some really good they're always grateful for the coverage and they're always super passionate to just talk to you more than, you know, the bullet points that a publisher gave them to hit every time and so
0: yeah, and it's just like a good opportunity I think for any developers to connect to other developers like Charles were there a lot of Microsoft indies hanging out together
3: Uh yeah so there were actually um there was like a the time before the show opened um you were we had like a little bit of time to one troubleshoot our uh, setup which we had to do um, but uh also we had some time to like go out and try out uh, some of the other games and uh a bleeding edge was being like showcased there Oh yeah mm. um uh, I didn't actually get a chance to play Bleeding Edge there because there was always a long line for people trying to play it. Um, but one of the the lead character artists uh, came over to the Hyperdot booth and uh, started playing, and then we started just like talking and like conversing. I was like, wait, again, just like this is these are uh, like scenarios that I am i'm on youtube watching somebody watch or like do this interview or like yeah i'm watching ben do an interview uh to some other developer and stuff but then in the moment i realized that i'm actually like talking to people who are uh had like have been part of games that i've like I- extremely enjoyed or have like had a huge impact in like uh, gaming and stuff and like that was one of the moments where i was like oh my what the what um, <laughs> yeah but uh, but yeah and then afterwards he was like oh yeah great game I really like it I was Like, oh thanks. And then, um, and then of course we have to remember that there's a pin economy and mm. there was a bleeding edge pin and I got a p- bleeding edge pin.
0: Hell yeah that thing's worth <laughs> as much as gold these days the future yeah. is going to come down to bleeding it, edge pins
2: I find it funny like listening to all these and kind of reminiscing myself um, just wondering like Willie three ever like handshakes and shoulder to shoulder crowds and giving out pins like just like thinking like how strange that is to hear now you yeah. guys getting that vibe
0: yeah well pax west is yeah. still uh hasn't canceled so you can look forward to that um i guess <laughs> but there's no way it's not gonna be canceled right i mean yeah, yeah. It's, oh go ahead marcus
1: no i was gonna say great like yeah it, like things have changed so fast so quickly that yeah it's kind of like oh yeah that's from the before times yeah
3: (laughs) yeah i'm so glad that like my my year of dreams uh happened last year yeah where where i was able to go to and attend all these like conferences and uh events that again i've been watching online and whatnot or watching on uh broadcast tv back when like g4 tv was. oh yeah um Mm. uh, but like Being able to attend that, and then yeah, now trying to think in the future, like what does that look uh, look like? Like, uh, is there going to be another like press conference event, uh, thing that will happen? I'm, I don't know.
0: Well, I mean, Uh, it depends on
3: whether or not E3 exists.
0: I mean, it's that confusing thing of like, oh, EA. I think it's EA, yeah, because I think Ubisoft is like July now, but EA is still Mm -hmm. lined up for around that window of doing some streams, so we'll kind of have that. Uh, in effect, it's just going to be that bizarre thing where everybody's stretched out and doing their streams at different times. Who knows when Sony is going to roll around at this point. And it's just like you miss having that ten pole of like, you know, waking up that morning in the hotel and knowing like I'm going to watch four press conferences today and I'm going to learn about dozens and dozens and dozens of new games. And it's just as exciting as, you know, the gaming industry can get. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's the part that is just a bummer. But Brian, I. If we had to predict, I don't think I don't think E3 is coming back. I think this year people are going to learn that we don't need it. I don't know why hey, they would.
2: Having having a lot of trouble. Like a lot of the bigger companies were kind of pulling out like you know what? We can do our own stream or event and at any time we want and still get the eyeballs. Right. I think I think a lot of fans are kind of mourning that like you were saying like people would be like, oh, it's E3 week. I'm going to take some days off work and just watch streams all day and read previews and watch videos. And, you know, like now it's like, okay, now I got to keep track of like 20 different streaming events. And like, there's a different one for each game, even though it's all one, you know, even like one publisher, like may, you know, may just do separate events for each big tentpole game they have. And like, I think, you know, a decent amount of stuff can fall through the cracks. Um, people like, Oh yeah, I heard there was a new demo for this or a new video for that. And I better get around to watching it. And then, you know, <laughs> <This> <laughs> the is okay. time, time goes by and you just have forgotten to even look at it. Whereas if it was an E3 where you're like, all right, I'm kicking up my feet and letting this all wash over me for three days. You know, it's, it's going to be strange not to have that anymore.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, um, uh the press conference when the xbox one and ps4 uh like the epic uh, uh day that was yes where it was like microsoft didn't go so hot in the, the beginning <laughs> of the day and then sony just like wrecking shop and it, uh i remember that was like one of the first years or like one of the only years that i watched it with people that were not my family uh where i like had friends over and we were just watching all of these streams uh, and stuff. And I flipped out. I was like, "Oh my goodness! I can't believe they're doing this." Uh, <laughs> that was like the wrestling show,
1: e3. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was like Microsoft. Yeah where the heel's going like, ah, boo, always online, $500, no way. Then Sony babyface comes in like, hey, this is $100 cheaper. And it's, you could play used games and everyone's like chanting Sony in the crowd.
0: And then the crowd becomes the Vince McMahon gif, I think is the way that worked, yeah. Oh, yep,
2: yep, falling (laughs) on his chair. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I love the, uh, was it, Adam boys, and the like, this is how you let a friend borrow a game, and they're just like, like, here you go.
0: Yep. <laughs> that was, it's, it's, that it's, like, that was yeah. genius.
1: So like the cherry on top of that whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's still like one of the oh, most
0: highest viewed videos on, on you know PlayStation's YouTube channel. It's just bizarre. Uh yeah, Flaming Casa wrote in saying that was his favorite moment. Uh and asking if it's the biggest moment in terms of like E three, mic drop, rivalry. I mean, certainly in my era. I, I'm you know, there might be yeah. some bigger ones back in the day. Uh maybe Andy McNamara on and the Game Former Show could let us know, or somebody that's been to every E three. Um mm-hmm. but that's certainly the go-to moment now when I think about momentous E3 moments.
1: Yeah, I think the only thing that kind of like rivals that maybe was like, was it the first E3 that the, uh, like when the Saturn surprise launch and then the Sony conference, the guy just went up there and was like, oh, it's like $100 cheaper and just walked off. That was the whole presentation.
0: I wish, honestly, I would pay for... A subscription service that's just every E3 press conference, conference ever. We just like the, the highest E3, E3 network. Honestly, <laughs> I, will somebody start that, please? Because you can go back and it gets pretty grainy pretty fast. To be like, okay, we have like 2007, but it looks like it's. Uh, shot uh, through some sort of hole punctured in a tin can projecting (laughs) onto a wall behind it on GameSpot's YouTube channel. It's like there's no (laughs) great avenue for seeing these old things and it sucks. Or it's just like clips but I just want the long form even if it's boring ass slideshow. I think that stuff is fun to look back at. Yeah, I've
1: had that even like times I've like written like E3 lists and trying like the old the further back you get you're trying to find footage for this thing that you've heard about. Yeah. And you realize and I remember being surprised like no one has footage of this. Like, were we just not doing this back then? Like, <laughs> we thought it'd be a good idea to record this? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it, was really, it was really strange to think about now. Like, there was a time when they didn't necessarily record E3 press conferences, they were literal press conferences where yeah. you just kind of sit there with your notebook and you're like, okay, I'm taking all this in and writing it down. Uh, <laughs> at the time, uh, when we were mostly focused on print a Game Reformer, we would all be in this big row together and just be like, Oh wow. And uh Matt Cotto and, and uh Matt Helgeson were like the news slash features guys. So they were the ones that like really had to pay attention and like write about it later. But it's like, oh, those two guys have it, like every major news conference. And uh it's weird, like people would just get like write ups, like that's how they would find out what happened at these press conferences. Like like the live stream changed everything completely because people don't have to necessarily get, go through a middleman to find out what's going on with these things or where, you know, think about like, Oh, here's a photograph in a magazine like weeks later mm-hmm. of, you know, what happened at this press conference or um, it's just, it's crazy how much it's kind of changed coverage and how people consume.
0: Yeah. Uh, E3. And it's so weird that like, as the tech has evolved, as I think just the intelligence of coverage figuring out what the community wants has evolved, I feel like you know, the last couple of years has been pretty good about like, hey, if you want to experience E3 without going there, there are enough live streams and show floor tours to get you covered. And then, yeah, nah, not so much. You know, the fact that like it ends just when it was at a point where not only the public could go, but then everybody at home could experience it in a pretty mm-hmm. interesting way and satisfying yeah. way overall. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hey, Brian, do you want to turn down your mic just a little bit? It's just peaking a little bit. But uh, also, uh, Kyle Hilliard wrote in. uh, uh, Here are his stories. He says, I once looked all over E3 for a Band-Aid when Brian cut himself and was bleeding. (laughs) Do you remember this, Brian? (laughs) Uh, What year was that? That was the year you bled (laughs) all over the show floor, apparently.
2: (laughs) Cutting my finger. That's... Vaguely familiar. Oh boy. I really I'm really um shoot. Yeah. <laughs> he I said, remember this, that's just coming back. Like I totally forgot about that.
0: Yeah. And he says um, from that trip forward, I always kept band-aids in my shoulder bag. Um also I helped Hansen wipe bird poop off his head one year. Apparently I think I was like heading into the A convention center and a bird pooped on my head or something. You see, this is the things that E3 is so hectic, you don't even recall bleeding to death or being covered in bird feces. It's all just part of the game. Mm. Uh, Also, I completely forgot, uh, thinking about like 2011, I think it was, like the first E3. Uh, I remember going to Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, which is incredible there in LA. And we went with like Kim Swift. Do you remember that? Like designer of Portal. It was like one of those first big moments of being at an event like e3 and it's like oh we're just get to eat chicken and waffles with the designer of portal like this is the best day ever
2: yeah that was nuts uh um yeah i remember that was a a great game informer tradition and just like the first day stuff yourself as much as possible (laughs) and feel like total crap Uh to get things going um (laughs) but it was it was cool like the opportunity you never know like I don't know if I was ever the person that was like, hey, I invited along this super uh, awesome uh, creator, but uh, I always appreciated when people did that uh, were better at networking and uh, <laughs> cooler, uh, but <laughs> it was cool just to be able to like, just talk to them like a normal person and not in like, uh, all right, we're in a sweaty booth, I'm interviewing you about portal or um, was it quantum conundrum? Is that what she, yep. was, oh, I I think she was promoting that? Oh, yeah, man. yeah. Mm.
0: That, that game that some people definitely played. Um, yeah, it's like that, that kind of hangout vibe. Hopefully we got it across in kind of the later years with the Game Informer show, live streams and podcasts out there of having devs kind of more relaxed. We had a fridge full of beer trying to uh, get them to relax a little bit and forget their own camera. Um, but I think like Giant Bomb is definitely they're the masters of getting that across. Um, and like it. It felt very cool once Dan started at Giant Bomb and he's like, oh, just come on by. It's great. You can just come hang out at the Giant Bomb live stream. It's like, oh my God. I feel like I'm sitting at the cool kid table at at high school. This is so satisfying for once in my life to be in the crowd at least while this is going on. But I'm trying to think like what other uh, coverage stands out for like before the years uh, that you were going, Charles, like G4, Mm -hmm. but then do you have other memorable moments of just watching the coverage of E3? Yeah,
3: um, there was... Uh, well, I guess there was multiple times where, uh, like me and my brother would be sitting there just watching like, yeah, G4 or, uh, I guess the next big ish, um, uh, streaming thing that we did watch was like IGN was breaking, uh, a lot of like doing videos and breaking out those. Yeah. Um, so we would watch a lot of those, um, and just like consuming all of that stuff. One year, um, our cousin, um, came over and we were watching it, um, after playing or actually no it was right where we were playing Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles and then we were like "All right, it's time to switch over to play or watch uh, E3 stuff Crystal Chronicles was already old at this point so it wasn't (laughs) like oh yes we're gonna watch yeah no it wasn't that but um, I remember yeah just like just trying to consume all of these uh, different things and I remember uh, particularly the uh, launch or actually the the E3 where the PS3 and the uh, 360 were becoming a thing. Right. Um, and like the graphical difference between the stuff that I was watching on G4, um, uh, earlier that day or earlier that week where I was like, Oh yeah, it looks like an Xbox original game. <laughs> um, uh, and then you fast forward to, Oh, this is what an Xbox 360 game looks like. Whoa. Like that's, hmm. it was just like, this is insane. Um, uh, and that, like, jump and leap in, uh, in, like, graphics and technology and the things that uh, things, uh, like, people were able to make uh, doing that. I remember, like, watching all of the coverage and just trying to, like, consume it all. It
0: <laughs> just great. let me take the coverage. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the console yes. reveals are, are definitely special. Like, 2011 was fun because that was the Wii U reveal. E3 and I was live streaming oh. it for Game Informer, not doing any reactions or anything fun, but just like sitting in like the <laughs> bunker of that building and just like taking video signals and trying to broadcast it out. What a weird time! Um, it's a, oh, because I had to go to every press conference and just sprint and then every. Setup was different. You're always in some weird part of the building in the basement or something. It's like, okay, well, in this one, we have this video signal. Do you happen to have this adapter? It was just a nightmare. Um, Jason Record did it the next year, which was very sweet of him to take that blow. But uh, I remember like, that Nintendo one. It was so fun because like the big Wii U reveal being surrounded by like in the basement there because there's a lot of Nintendo PR. Like Andrew Kelly was there. And I remember as we're getting set up, I was talking to somebody about the Game Boy game called X which uh, like Dylan Cuthbert worked on before Star Fox and stuff. It's like this pseudo, pseudo 3D Game Boy game called X. And I couldn't remember the name of it. I'm like, oh, I remember they did some weird 3D thing on the Game Boy. And then Bill Trinan, like Miyamoto's translator and a huge uh, face over there at Treehouse, like he poked his head in the door and he's like, hey, I overheard you guys from the green room next door. just want to let you know you're thinking of the game X. I was like, oh, thank you, Bill Trinan. Like what a, what a treat. But then just like <laughs> being surrounded by Nintendo as they reveal the name Wii U and given that like, Wow. Okay. I remember my first instinct was, like, shock that they kept it secret. Like, I, I really thought that that type of name would have been leaked, and it didn't.
1: That was such a... 2011, I'll always... Like, watching that Wii U reveal, I was in game design college at the time, so we would watch it either during class, because it would air during the morning, so we would just neglect all our work to just watch the conferences, or back at, like, a friend's apartment. So these, like, super hardcore gamers are all know what's going on. And we were all just collectively confused at the Wii U. Like when they first showed it, we're like, okay, we know this is a successor console. Like, okay, we're all we all know that, right? But then we were still like, is it an attachment for the Wii? Are we are we wrong? Are we like, where's the box? I don't see it. And like they're not showing it are they oh um, right yeah <laughs> it's like i think and then like we had this thing where like i think i see it way in the back there you see that little blue light i think that might be it and we were just like debating like no that's not it that can't be it that's something
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah i
3: remember um speaking of crystal chronicles when the wii u was like announced me and my brother looked at each other like we can play crystal chronicles we can have multiple like four of these hooked up to the wii u and then we can uh, play that was that would be awesome because you know, yeah. this is back when they were like really ambiguous with the number of yeah. game pads that can be attacked. <laughs> well, yeah, because they're like,
1: oh, this is gonna be great. So yeah. many unrealized yeah. dreams. So like, oh man, yeah, ma- man, Metroid, the map being down there, that's gonna be great. Oh
0: my god. You know? It was so weird. And like all the weird tech demos was like, okay, you're in like a Japanese garden flying around, but the gamepad thing, I forgot about that because it was like the outcry, and the big question is like can we have multiple gamepads? And everyone was screaming, we need multiple gamepads for the Wii U. And then at some point, Reggie, in an interview, was like, yeah, it it supports it now. We can do it. And everyone's like, hey, good. And then it just, nobody ever tried. Nobody ever asked. (laughs) There's never any game that would possibly line that up. But I remember that was a weird one because Game Informer broke the news story before that E3. Do you guys remember this? About, like, Nintendo's going to reveal their HD console here?
3: Right. I do remember that, yeah.
0: That was... That was a weird one, uh, being somewhat on the inside of that track and getting some idea of like, okay, it seems like it's going to happen, but obviously we didn't know that it was going to be the Wii U. It was just kind of like – I think even they probably that news story just called it like, oh, the HD version of the Wii or whatever the hell. Did we ever get you that guys...
1: – I still oh, – I'm sorry. Did we ever get that golf game? Remember when I showed it at E3 where <laughs> the guy was standing over the game pad and hit it? Did that ever
0: happen? I think it's like – God, is that in Wii Play? Or Wii Sports HD, so like or a Wii sports?
2: sports 2 or something? Or?
1: But was it like that, or was it just a different thing? I remember always, I remember watching that years later. I was like, wait, we never got that. And I remember <laughs> looking at that at the time, but like, oh, that's actually kind of cool.
0: <laughs> I saw uh, our dear friends over at Game Explain, who are just awesome for covering Nintendo stuff. They posted a video recently about how the big payoff from the 2011, or the you know, the big tease from 2011, has finally been paid off because in that Wii U video, they showed people playing was it like Go or some Othello, like some game with like black and white pieces. And they're like, all right, game's over. And they like flipped up the game pad and all the pieces slid off. And apparently Nintendo never released that game for the Wii U in any way. But now actually this week, they're releasing that clubhouse games, which has like 50 or 51 or whatever, like uh, tabletop games in there. And one of them is Othello and, game explain tested it and you can in fact you, lift up the switch in handheld mode and all the pieces slide off so there you go the <laughs> video was just them screaming about so we, like finally <laughs> okay,
1: so we need the golf game on switch
0: so
5: i could put my switch in the ground yep yeah hit, hit the ball
0: it's everything we've ever <laughs> hoped for yeah uh
5: the idea that you could just be playing that othello game and then be like okay let's move over to this table or whatever and you pick it up <laughs> and they all slide off ah, <laughs>
0: What's the point? Of- <laughs> I was like tabletop. Too real. Up. Too you real. That. You think
2: you guys think it would have made that much of a difference if they just want to call it the Wii 2 so like honestly, would that has changed it?
1: Yeah, because as someone that worked at Games Stop during the Wii U's life cycle I cannot tell you how many times I had to explain to people. What that thing was, and that it was not a Wii attachment. Like every time trying to sell the Wii, everyone came out like, What is the, what's, it was either, is this a sequel or is this an add on? And also, why, what's the deal with the gamepad? And both times it was like, Well, you know, it, it is, it's the follow up to Wii. Well, why, why did would you use the gamepad? Like, um, well, it shows another screen there, and uh, that's, that's it. it it's just the screen that you see on your TV. It's just there twice. But and, you'll still
0: need your Wii Motes, so don't lose them or the condoms, and you still need yeah. the sensor for something. And don't games. move like,
1: Further than six feet, like oh, I can go to my bedroom. Like, how close is your bedroom? Do you have a studio
0: apartment? Then maybe, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing a lot of Wii U recently because I like brought it over to my girlfriend's place. I forgot just how many stupid things are frustrating with that system. About like, oh man, I remember about so many amazing um retro games through the you know the e shop on the Wii, and so then, like then going to the Wii menu, it's like oh no, you need to actually switch to the Wii mode in order to navigate the. Wii retro console menu. It's just like so many of those stupid things. It's like, okay, and then I can't use the gamepad to play these either. I need to hook up the, you know, the pro controller for the Wii. It's just like wave after wave of frustration trying to play the thing. Although, a lot of those games still hold up damn well. I still am having a great time when I'm actually in a game playing it.
1: Does it feel like holding a game gear?
0: Yes, exactly the way it should (laughs) be. Which, by the way, I just got my... (laughs) Uh, My old Game Gear, uh, I went out to my parents' place this weekend and and picked it up, uh, and it turns out it barely stays on. I turn it on, and it's on for like a second, and then just dies. So it's just going to be a prop now. And hey, did you see they announced the Game Gear Micro? I was going to bring
2: that up, like... How can you even see that screen?
1: (laughs) It's so small. Yeah, like the screen on the original Game Gear was
2: tiny.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's the only way to make it look good. If you just keep shrinking the Game Gear graphics, eventually it's like, okay, this is doable now.
2: I think a lot of people would just be like, I got to do it. But the choice, like I love that they did many colors, but the choice to only put four games on each color and split them up between the four different consoles. Oh, is that is what they're doing? Insane to me. Oh my god! I didn't, what I I didn't on know Twitter. that. That's what I saw on Twitter. Oh, each bet. color has four four games, and they're, they don't overlap at all.
4: Oh, gross!
2: That's wow.
1: going to guarantee like one of those are going to be like the super rare one. Like, do you got the yellow one that has this game?
2: Right, yeah. Yeah. right. <laughs> Did they announce that it's coming to the states? I think it's just Japan. At least that's what i saw okay I
0: god i need that thing it's so clunky and weird but going through my old games for game gear this weekend it's like oh i need to play bart versus the world on game gear specifically game gear <laughs> i love that stupid <laughs> thing uh other e3 highlights that we haven't mentioned from anybody
1: um the hardest i've ever laughed watching a press conference was uh going back to 2011 was that mr caffeine thing oh Ubisoft. my god like i remember having friends over and um we just could not handle it like every time they're like doo. Do, like we just lost it <laughs> and we're like this He like he's got to stop eventually right like he's gonna no. kind of read the room because no one's reacting to this in a positive brutal. way at all and he just kept going like i mean props to the commitment for it like he he didn't bat an eyelid but it was just like painful and hilarious and i don't even remember what they showed at that press conference because i just remember
0: him <laughs> <laughs> God. I mean oh, do you man. think he felt good about it do you think like his head hit the pillow that night and he's talking to his wife like you wouldn't believe it. I nailed it today oh man I finally got to have the payout for all those years of wanting to do stand-up comedy
2: they ate it up what are you guys favorite what are you guys favorite like awkward e three moments I'm trying to oh. I'm having a debate between the uh I was there for the 599 us dollars ps3 and the ridge racer cricket like (laughs) oh Oh, it's so good so funny everyone's just kind of like looking at each other (laughs) like (laughs) what
0: (laughs) i mean i think of you know just from my era like the wonder book demo on the playstation stage that lasted forever and technically was barely functioning it's just those weird moments where you just realize like this is going on way too long we're like when ubisoft invited james cameron on stage to talk about avatar and it turns out james cameron likes to talk about avatar and it was like 20 minutes of him blathering on about avatar <laughs> oh my god man uh, um the the
1: 2010 microsoft the i think that was the connect show
2: oh uh, the okay. white ponchos in the circuit yes Soleil. i actually remember i think i remember
1: seeing like yeah. in the issues of GI, like Tim and somebody else wearing those ponchos and not being <laughs> happy about it. <laughs> um,
5: Brian, were you, were you and me there together for yeah.
2: that? Yes. Did you guys wore the ponchos? Them, we had yeah, to put, they hand them over and it's just like, what do you want me to do with this? What is this?
5: Yeah. And I, I think that, I think that was one of my first E3s. And I remember that was such a, a surreal, show to go to and then i got a a terrible migraine from it and we we went back from the hotel and still had to write it up and and i i wrote it as just kind of like a jack kerouac what did i witness at this thing (laughs) and then i and then i tried to get a salad from the hotel and then i just threw it up all night oh god nick aarons was my roommate and i i felt so bad for him because I came out after like the third time being in the bathroom. He was just like, uh, you, you all right there, bud? <laughs> was like, uh. Quite a that, visual
2: reaction to, to the presentation. But. Yes.
5: That, that was the perfect reaction to that press conference.
1: Because oh <laughs> yeah, that, that was the suit of foot thing, right? And wasn't that the Milo, that really awkward, weird Milo? Yeah.
0: Oh, right, right. Yeah, of course. God. Do you like the social aspect of hanging out at E3, Jeff? Um, like when you think of E three, what do you think of? Is it sitting at the press conferences or is it like getting donuts in the morning outside the hotel?
5: Oh, absolutely. The hang I mean, it was it's one of the few kind of trips that we used to do at GI where at least in the early days, everyone went and you got to spend time with everyone out. And and it was I mean it was busy but it was it wasn't as, you know, high pressure as like a cover story or something. Mm. So you you did have you did get to have those times where everyone's just kind of hanging out and exploring the city a little and having fun. Yeah. Yeah. And sure. and even even in our when we were crammed into that little booth covering the press conferences, that was always the nice part of it too is that at least you were Surrounded by your coworkers and everyone was reacting to, to the announcements and stuff together.
0: Bummer we weren't streaming that stuff or covering that stuff more because like, yeah. that was the fun. It's just like listening to Jeff Cork make jokes. Like the hardest I ever laughed at a press conference at E3 was, we've told this story before, oh. but it is God was it 2013 where there was the Dark Sorcerer demo from Quantic Dream. Uh, and we're watching that at the PlayStation press conference all in that little booth. And it's just, like, a goblin, like, oh, my lord, oh, you must use this. And it was before, like, the twist was revealing that it was, like, you know, a Hollywood set that they were filming and stuff. So everybody just thought that it was genuinely this fantasy game was just, like, the stupidest dialogue imaginable from Quantic Dream. And Jeff Gort just put his head in his hands and he goes, what are you idiots doing? <laughs> it's lame. It's like like, idea of like, the entire industry coming down to this. And Jeff Gort's like, no more. I can't stand for this crap any longer. <laughs> Jeff Cork
2: had the, the best uh, E3 morning ritual, which was to always hit up IHOP nice and early and get the biggest pile of food possible <laughs> so that you wouldn't need to eat lunch or dinner. You'd be covered all day and it didn't matter. You wouldn't have to like worry about getting some Gardetto's at somebody's booth or something like <laughs> you were discovered all day long
0: it is pretty smart it is that weird thing where you are just rushing and then realize like oh crap i haven't had any food and there are a lot of snobs in there they're too good for that convention center pizza i'm a defender i had that de- like convention center <laughs> pizza every day throughout all of e3 a fine time a fine greasy time but good and then you get the gatorade on your way out it's the best
2: yeah it's just the man the, the tough part is so like getting in getting in line when there's not everyone else like mobbing it at like noon or one or like between like major press conferences, like timing that out was so key. Yeah. Yeah. I, I learned real
1: quick after the first year that like I, breakfast is the only thing I'm going to eat today until about like nine o'clock at night. So yeah. I actually did the Jeff Cork thing too, or at the hotel I would stay at, I would go down to the uh, little restaurant and buy this really huge omelet. So I stayed at the same place every year. And it was this like, Relatively expensive, but it was worth it because it always filled me up and it would last me the whole show. And that just became kind of like a semi-ritual with me when I could afford it. Um, <laughs> so, so Jeff is on to something.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <He's> a- <laughs> Nice. Pack mule at that point. Uh, I think one of the most surreal moments in E3 was barely related to E3, but we were in LA for the first year. So it was 2011. So I hadn't been a game informer that long. Um, and then like the U-Star team reached out and said, like, hey, do you want to come to the after party for the MTV Movie Awards and interview Jason Sudeikis about you star which is like the weird, like, you're in the movies, kind of pre-Connect, Connect, or maybe, I guess it was using Connect? Uh, it's just a mess. And so it's that weird thing of like, yeah, I guess we'll go shoot an interview with Jason Sudeikis. And so Annette Gonzalez uh, and I went to go shoot this thing, and it was just bizarre because we're at the MTV Movie Awards after party in 2011 and so just like you know okay here have some drinks at this bar and then you look around it's like I remember I lost my mind when I walked in and like Tim Meadows was at the bar, like having a drink. I'm like, Tim Meadows, (laughs) like what is this? (laughs) And so we were such nerds that we wrote down in our phones all the celebrities that were there (laughs) so that we wouldn't forget them. So I still have like that (laughs) note in my phone and I looked at it and it's like Andy Samberg, Joel McHale, Emma Watson, Jake Gyllenhaal, Charlie Day, Reese Witherspoon. And then I wrote down, quote, redhead from Zombieland which it turns out was Emma Stone. But at the time I was like, that one (laughs) redheaded lady from Zombieland, I don't know her name, but I guess we're (sighs) drinking with her. It was just absolutely bizarre. Um, And then shooting the interview with Jason Sudeikis, it just became clear that like the U-Star folks didn't want to hire a video team on their own to shoot this like promotional U-Star thing. So they just opened it up to press and we we were maybe the only ones idiotic (laughs) enough to bite. And so it was just like this weird thing where at a certain point then they were like directing us and directing Jason for what he should say about u And it's like, we'll just do an interview on our own. We're good. And like, oh, you need to put the camera over here. And it was like literally having to argue with these people. Like, no, we're good. The camera's going to go here. We're going to talk about these things. We're good. And I remember afterwards, <laughs> afterwards Annette was like, I don't know how the hell you did that. The idea of like, not only directing the U-Star devs, but like directing Jason Sudeikis seems impossible. Uh, but it was great and lovely in that video you can watch as well. It's just a lot of bizarre footage of Jason Sudeikis uh, where he was in like he was playing U Star, and then he was in Jersey Shore. It's it's just a weird moment in time. Yeah, I was right. gonna ask,
1: that, did you guys meet a lot of like non gaming celebrities, like on the on the floor or anything? Besides, like in general, or see anybody that you're like, oh my god? Uh,
0: I. Uh I didn't remember this, uh, but apparently I sent a picture to my mom because she brought it up years later about how we're best friends. But I sent a picture to my mom of Snoop Dogg playing Rage on the show floor because <laughs> she's like, "Oh, you and Snoop Dogg are best friends." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" She's like, "You met him." I'm like, "I have never met Snoop Dogg." And it's like, it "Turns out I just took a photo of him playing this game or something." Mm. Uh, or I think of like, she's like, "I've
2: got I've got evidence."
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, I remember like we did a show floor tour one time. Uh, with Dan Reichert and Nick Swartzen, the comedian, was like walking on the show floor. So we, like ran over and filmed a quick segment with him and he was friendly. I don't know. Very cool.
1: I ran into Kenny Omega
0: three times last
1: year. Wow, the wrestler. Very was, cool. Yeah, it was cool. Like, and talked to him twice. Like, I ran into him at a restaurant, at like Shaquille O'Neal's restaurant by the Staples Center. Like, went in there and he was coming out as we were going in and I stopped him and said hi. And he was super nice. His shirt was about to explode off his huge body. <laughs> um and then saw him on the floor he was actually cool he was at the um, I don't know if it's Indycade I forgot but it's like the little indie booth that was uh, set up at Flash three by Nintendo's area and he was in there hanging out for a bit and talked to him again got a picture with him he kind of remembered me like, oh, oh that's oh, awesome man. man and then saw him at a restaurant like the next day and it became like a running joke with like Jack and our friends like Mark is going to run into Kenny Omega again today like you your man? best friend Kenny Omega right and, like, yeah <laughs> me and me the cleaner
2: is he was he trying to be incognito at all or was he just like full on Kenny Omega like notice me mode? I think he was full on because I know he did a
1: uh, he had a a time slot with GameSpot like they had like an outdoor like stage that they were having guests come on to do stuff. And I know he did like a Street Fighter thing for them.
2: Yeah. so he oh, yeah. A- yeah, it was like Street Fighter versus Xavier Woods or something. Right? Yeah, it was. I yeah, because remember... the
1: New Day were there too. Like right. I saw, I saw them wandering around too. I think, and then the year before, actually, I saw that was when they did the the New Day versus the Elite at the, the Street Fighter tournament on the show floor at Capcom's booth. Like I watched some of that, so I think it was like a continuation of that feud.
0: Yeah, I remember watching <laughs> that event too, and is this weird thing where not understanding uh, wrestling or the world of wrestling politics or anything, but I remember it's like a weird moment where Kenny Omega and Xavier Woods then were like you know, we did this together and we know that it's not the most common thing, but we think that we're forging a new path and that we can be more open with wrestlers that can communicate. Uh, Brian, you know, the wrestling world pretty damn well. Why is that a big deal that Kenny Omega and Xavier Woods were doing something together? And different
2: companies. I see. And they are good. They're good friends off camera, but uh, there are certain rules that companies have where like they can't be on camera together. So, you're probably, I don't know if you were, you're probably there, but you For probably the saw footage or, of yeah, a like, giant yeah, bomb yeah. when they would like pop up and like, you know, Kenny Omega would be like, Hey guys, pipe down. I'm trying to sleep over here. And then he'd go away and then Xavier would pop on and do something else. But they had a lot of fun playing around with that.
0: That was very weird. That was an idea that was hatched. Very quickly before that live stream, so I was like, especially not understanding the wrestling world. It's like, well, this is a weird bit, but I guess it's for somebody out there to understand why this is so silly that they can't be in the exact same shot at the exact same time. Yeah, well,
2: actually, with both. wrestling fans, wrestling fans just love the the more like weird insidery referencing they can yeah, get, like right. the more they love it.
0: Yeah, it makes us
1: cooler. It gives us our source of our power. <laughs>
2: you <know>? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you? Before uh, we get too far away from the celebrity thing, yeah. Even though I didn't meet him probably the craziest thing uh, that I saw was the uh, rock band Beatles press conference, which they have Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, uh, you know, uh, Yoko and um,
0: George Harrison's wife. George Harrison's
2: wife. Uh, I'm spacing name right now, but that was totally nuts. And I'll always remember that.
0: And I mean, Matt Miller was writing the cover story on Beatles rock band. Uh, for Game Informer, so we got to interview Paul McCartney like before that, right?
2: Yeah, he was like, they were like, okay, show up like super early. So he was just like back there, like sitting on a crate forever, and like out of nowhere, apparently, um, you know, they all start kind of showing up, and it's just like, oh my god, there's this guy, there's this guy, you know, like oh like all these crazy legends, and like you know, getting. I'm sure he'd have some great stories about like the briefs and stuff before he talked to them and like, what can you talk about? what And then like, obviously he had to get stuff for his story too. So he had to like, with the very limited, like five minutes he had with each person, like trying to get usable quotes for his story was, Oh was my just God. True, so daunting.
0: Yeah. And like, I, I don't know when the last time you went back and watched that bit was, you can find it on YouTube. But I'm talking about Beatles rock band on stage and it's definitely, it feels like the type of thing of like, Oh, we've done this thing a thousand times. I know this is John Lamb, but I don't care. Oh, we've done this thing a thousand times before. We've got it. We've got it. We'll just go out on stage. We've got it. And so they just go out there being cool guys and then just don't really have a frame of reference of like what they're talking about or why. And they just think it's kind of fun to like, oh, let's just shoot the breeze. Ringo and Paul, here we are. And it's just like it runs out of energy at about the 15 second mark. And then it's just uncomfortable for the rest of it. But it's like, who's going to tell them what to do? Of course, they can do whatever they want. It's amazing they're there or like you know we're all
2: just in the audience like we don't care what you talk about
0: yeah i remember
1: seeing that being actively jealous cuz i'm a beatles fan i was like that's like the holy grail right there
0: <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> unbelievable well, like it was still fun being in the crowd last year at the Microsoft event when then Keanu Reeves came on stage. Like he did a better cool. job of actually like playing up to the audience and like building hype and not just letting it be, oh my God, this celebrity, and then slowly realizing, oh now we're stuck with a celebrity for an uncomfortable yeah. amount of time.
3: <laughs> yeah, I was like super fortunate enough to be in the audience when that happened um, because. Uh, we totally blinked and didn't realize that we had to ask and be like, "Hey, do you think that we can actually go to the press conference?" So, uh, like, um, uh, I think it was thirty minutes before the press conference, we were rushing down, uh, to get all our stuff, our ducks in a row, and then we finally oh, wow. got there. And then, yeah, that was just insane. When it we was like, "You were breathtaking," like, it's so fun. breathtaking. <laughs> um, um, yeah, and like having all of that and just being there in a, like a press conference uh, in a physical form was also just like a, like a oddly emotional thing because again, the things that were on screen, um, but then like, uh, Ori came on the screen. I was like, wow, that's, it's so that's right. There is like, there is no, uh, there is no space in between me and what the audience is seeing because I am in the audience. (laughs) I was like, wow, that, and it was, like I was like I was kind of getting a little bit like emotional and like a little choked up. I was like, "This is yeah, this is me checking a, a, another thing off on a, a press conference." Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Also, people, love- you don't understand how loud it is in those press conferences too. They blast it so yeah. like I think yeah. that's a huge part when people talk about you know impactful game demos or trailers. It's because if you're in that crowd, it's like vibrating your organs. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that reaction, Charles, because I. Like Microsoft was the first press conference I went to, like in 2017, and funny enough, I'd went to everyone since then except for last year's. Like I was like, ah, I don't oh. really need to go to last year's. And then
3: Keanu walked up and I was like, God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as uh, they man. did the reveal from the trailer, and it was like, oh my goodness, no! And then uh, suddenly there were people like pointing and like, what, what? And then you just look, and then yeah, he walked on the stage. And- yeah, like
1: I was like cursing myself. Like the one year I decided not to go to it. Yeah. But like
3: I remember hearing like from
1: I guess like. Uh, more experienced journalists and like sometimes they kind of are like a little jaded about like, "Ah, I don't really need to go to those things. It's more Trouble than it's worth and it's like yeah I guess I could see that but like the times that I've been like I've always like super happy to sit there because I again I would always watch that at home and be like man I want to be in the crowd when oh, like yeah. this huge game like I got you know the last one I went to was when cyberpunk was revealed and it was like that last second thing like oh I guess this is over we're getting up and then that trailer starts and it like scared the hell out of everybody like in the theater <laughs> like that hard cut was terrifying like what, what, what's going on <laughs> um and then seeing that pop on screen and everyone's losing their minds like that energy is so infectious and it's kind of like that's one of the reasons why i love going to those events it's kind of like a a yearly reminder of why you love this stuff in the first place yeah Um, just being around everyone that's so enthusiastic about just the medium as a whole
0: yeah so on the celebrity front uh i think it was god i don't know i don't know what year it was but there was some year where i kept seeing people on twitter be like Holy crap, Steven Spielberg's on the show floor. Holy crap, Steven Spielberg's on the show floor. And that's like, that is my holy grail. I was like, I am desperate to meet Spielberg. And then I saw people, I think like Reiner came into the booth because like Game Informer had a little back area, right? Um, Reiner came into the booth and be like, oh, I saw Spielberg walk into the EA booth. I was like, oh my God, I know the EA booth. I know there's only one exit to the EA booth. And so I just took off like, forget editing, <laughs> forget whatever the hell else I was doing. I sprinted to the EA booth and just stood by that exit. Because like he has to come out at some point. <laughs> and I was there for around forty minutes, and certain, it's getting to the point of like, well, I feel pretty guilty for not getting work done or doing anything else. Hopefully, Andy or Rainer uh, don't yell at me for this. But then at a certain point, I'm like, I gotta call it off. Like he's not coming out of this tiny room. Uh, And then I had to go about and do the rest of my world, that's for my work, without seeing Steven Spielberg, which really bummed me out. But uh, I guess I got to like interview Miyamoto a couple times or whatever. So I guess it was cool. Yeah, do uh-huh. you guys remember good. the the insanity around that?
1: Speaking of Cyberpunk, that demo in 2018, like everyone trying to get into that thing. Yeah, like every time I every time I passed that demo room, it was just crowded with people, and I was like, and myself, I was trying to get in there, like talking to PR people, like, come on, like if anyone cancels, can I get in? Can I get in? I wasn't able to get in. The one time oh, no. I could, I had an appointment. Um, still walked away one of those statues though, um, which is a whole <laughs> <Nice>. other story. <laughs> but, uh,
0: hmm, interesting. But uh,
1: <laughs> nothing nefarious <laughs> that was given to me. <laughs>
0: uh yeah i was really <laughs> that's lucky. one of the
2: things i that i loved the most uh at game reformer was that last day when we were running around giving out the game of the show like phone yeah. deals um is when people would talk and be like okay we've got a couple hours before the show floor closes what do i have to see like what is the big thing and people would always like give you like the three or four you know and you'd give people suggestions and everyone would just kind of like scatter and try to like schmooze our way in and see some of the the big most talked about stuff and usually usually it worked pretty well like usually we had success
0: it helped to have the game of former name yeah and like with that uh cyberpunk one that's a weird one too he's like okay no way you can get in completely booked and then i saw the head of cd project red like walking back and forth between a couple of rooms and i it's so gross. I was like, it's oh, stupid if I don't so I went up to him and I was like, hey, I don't know if you remember me, I was at your studio in Warsaw for The Witcher 3 cover story with Game Informer. Hey, do you think I could squeeze in possibly? And he's like, yep, absolutely. And he brought us right in. It was super sweet and I had... um Alex Grendling, friend of the show, uh, graphic designer who did a couple of Game Gameformer covers, now he's at Bungie, and he was with me trying to get in as well, so I was like, alright, just hang on and don't ask questions, here we go! And, like, he didn't wonder who Alex was, so was that nice thing of getting an extra plus one into that demo, which was, yeah, a super fun demo to watch, because they were so eager to feed for feedback in 2018. You know, like, they handed out, uh, like, pens and notes, like, any feedback whatsoever you can send us, please let us know. Uh, and I remember it the build that we were watching was all messed up because they had accidentally, somehow they had two executables of Cyberpunk open. And they couldn't figure out, like, why the audio was glitching and what was happening to their build. And they realized at a certain point, like, even CD Projekt Red, the brilliant people that they are, like, oh, it turns out we just had two of these open at the same time. That's all that's going on.
1: <laughs> uh, it's very fun. You ever watch a lot of stuff, um, like, any, like, demos, like, crash or go crazy that you kind of have to, like... Kind of like you know, like be polite, like oh okay, you know, like yeah. Because I remember I went to see um, Telltale's Batman the first season when they were showing that off, right? Um, with Jack, and you know they're running through like the the opening like thirty minutes or so of that first episode, and like about halfway through it, the demo just completely just crashed and. The guys, you know, the poor PR guys, like, oh my God, like, you know, I'm sorry, we're gonna get this back up. So we're sitting there waiting. And like, Jack and I, thankfully, like, we had enough of a gap in our schedule, like, oh, we can wait. And he's like, I'm so sorry, you know, we have to start it over because, you know, it didn't like save or anything. So you're gonna have to watch all these cutscenes. The beginning, it's a lot of cutscenes before you actually get to hit a button. Yeah. So you're gonna have to watch all that again. Like, you know, if you have to leave, stay, it's okay. We're like, oh, we'll stay. So he starts it up again. Gets a little bit further and then it completely crashes again. Oh. So now we've lost about 45 minutes on this thing. And he again is like, oh my God. And you see like kind of people mo- moving around in the back. And it sucked because it looked cool. Like I don't know if you went to that booth, but that's yeah, like the yeah. whole booth looked like, yeah, like Bruce Wayne's like manner. And then you went to the back cave to watch it. um So then they did it a third time. And at this point, it was, like, over an hour, and, you know, we still stuck around. And then that one, he kind of got there, but it was kind of, like, jittering and hitching along the way, but it just kind of, like, just got to the finish oh, line God. barely.
0: Yeah, it was, like, um, State of Decay 2 was a demo that uh, was pretty buggy, and it, it kept crashing, but it was cool because I, I actually liked it. First of all, because I like it when uh, things melt down. But then I also like to just because it was fun to see like how dynamic the game was because they were talking about that. But they're actually seeing like, OK, when they replay this section, you know, the zombies are attacking in a diff- different way. Things are happening in a different way. And like Charles, I don't know how much of a nightmare it is for developers. But I mean, unless you have like a very tight schedule, I don't think the press minds nearly as much as developers think they mind when something crashes or there's a bug or something. I think it's kind of fun.
3: I always, uh, I've had now. I've gone to a couple of different like conventions and stuff, and I always feel really bad when like something catastrophic goes. Um, I've definitely had those times where it's like, oh yeah, the game's running, and then no, it's <laughs> no longer running, and they're like, oh oh no, I'm so sorry, I really don't want to. Uh, we'll try and I'll try and fix it, and then I'm like uh, troubleshooting, going back and trying to relaunch it and or do things like that. Um, uh, yeah, it always feels bad because like they're giving you your time to to like sit down and play. You don't want uh you don't want them to have like a bad experience with your with your game and stuff or or like you've worked so hard to get to this point uh with this like this demo and you you have all these hours into it and then like right then it it crashes and you just feel really bad.
0: Yeah. I think part
2: of it too is like on our side we're pressed was like, "Well, I generally consider myself understanding and, you know, generally nice but uh you know i think when you're giving demos to hundreds of people a day you can't count on that courtesy from everyone and there's a level of trust there it's like are they just going to focus on like only on this crash like how much are they going to write about it or how much are they going to talk about it on a podcast and you know there's that uncertainty that i imagine is kind of in the back of your head like that's part of the heart attack you have when something crashes right
3: yeah, uh, not for me particularly, largely because I was just looking for co- coverage. I was just like, hey, this is the first time that I've ever been in front of uh, press. Uh, I guess that was GDC was like the first time I was ever mm. in front of uh, press and stuff for uh, showing a game. But like um, for me personally, it was more just I don't want to waste your time because I know that you're courteous enough to like come over and play the game. Um, but yeah, all, there, there is also that like, oh, then you'll write up and then the game crashed, and then and then like that's the large uh, that's the large takeaway from from it, uh, and I can understand why people would think that.
0: Yeah, and yeah, it was, I mean, even cover story trips were so bizarre at Game Informer, where it was more of a a little bit more of a one-on-one interaction. It wasn't just you know a huge group that m- there might be some weirdos that would write that story but it, cover story trips every single time it was just like developers are so focused on the build like oh there's these bugs please don't mind this I know it looks bad like you know Brian we we're on the No Man's Sky cover story trip and Sean Murray 3,000 times is, oh you know we're not quite naughty dog our tea isn't that good I'm sorry it's just like this weird turn of like the game's a disaster and it wasn't at that time you know it launched it had its issues but you know it got there eventually
2: yeah I, I still think back I'm like all these years later, like how they were able to kind of turn everything around with that. Like <laughs> this is a tangent, but like now that you bring that game up, like the fact they were able to turn it around so dramatically, like take all that feedback and just be like, oh God, and then just like dig in so hard and get the game to where you know, where they really wanted it to be and right. beyond, like is incredible.
0: And that was such a tough time because it was like you know, that studio is so sweet. We spent a couple days there, they're they're all great. And then just seeing the amount of crap that they were getting, some of it being like clips from our Rapid Fryer interview with Jeff Cork, where it's a tough line of like, well, I want to be on the dev side here, benefit for the doubt, you know, the internet outrage machine is, is pointed straight at No Man's Sky. That said, they were pretty misleading when it came to multiplayer towards the end. They could have just had one quick post about like, hey, things have changed, but it was not handled in the best way. So it's tough to have a somewhat closer idea of where they were coming from, but then still knowing where they they dropped the ball at the finish line there
2: is the sean murray uh explosion head explosion gif is that like your most gift footage or is there Ooh, something that beats that
0: that's a good question that might be number one gif that could be number one gif i think the miyamoto um cup where we made him play the cup game and then it said 2d metro <laughs> underneath that was up there too uh God, that's a good question. I'm trying to remember. It probably is, because I remember at some point, Sean Murray tweeted that he was trying to get into a demo at some convention, and he forgot his ID, and so he said the way that he proved that he was Sean Murray is he Googled Sean Murray and held up a picture of that gif of him doing the (laughs) unexplained thing. So that's nice. That's a real badge of honor.
1: You helped him out of a jam.
0: Oh, yeah. We're here to help. Oh, boy. Hmm. Charles McGregor, do you know how this whole thing operates? bubbly bubbly it's largely based on bubbly yeah you got it i see you've watched yes. the minmax show before
3: i mean i might be a fan
0: maybe. <laughs> well, I no true. i
3: think i think it's patreon
0: that's right patreon.com slash minmax2 and if you support us at any tier you get access to the wonderful community over there uh on the discord channel which am i nuts charles friendly community yes oh
3: no yeah super friendly i was actually uh playing games with the community earlier
0: oh really what yeah. were we playing
3: uh, we were actually playing Bleeding Edge.
0: Are you really into Bleeding <laughs> Edge?
3: Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Crystal it was Chronicles on game and Pass. Bleeding
0: Edge—the go-to games for Charles.
3: <laughs> I know. Yes, the go-to <laughs> games for me is Bleeding Edge. No, actually, it was on Game Pass, and I was like, "Hey, I'll I'll give it a go." Finally, yeah. uh, and then I was like, "Oh man, this is actually kind of fun." Um, and then the fact that uh, like it's on Game Pass, then there are other people who can also play the game. Um, and yeah, I just was able to hop online uh, with some community members.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Right. That's very sweet. Well, yeah, you support yeah, City mm-hmm. Interior, you get access to the Discord, and also uh, you can submit comments to The Deepest Dive, also The Min-Max Show. Um, because it's a new month, we have new Wall of Heroes. If you're a $100 supporter, you can put any picture you want behind us. If you're on The Wall of Heroes and you want to change your picture, uh, definitely let me know. We can swap that out. Also, we let $10 supporters on Patreon vote for The Next Deepest Dive, which is our big community game club. Brian Vork, get a load of this. In that vote, did you see this on Twitter, by the way? Am I spoiling anything?
2: I think I saw it. Okay. Anyways, I so anything.
0: we let the community vote for the next game club. And if they wanted to do The Last of Us, Left Behind DLC, this is kind of like a short one-off. What remains of Edith Finch or the film Inception? And guess what won? I
2: don't know. Inception?
0: You think so? Uh, What Remains of Edith Finch was voted on by the community. I think they're just hungry for like a shorter multi-platform game. And so next week we're going to be playing What Remains of Edith Finch, the 2017, I call it a walking simulator, but that sounds... I don't know, insulting to it. It's an awesome game, a wildly creative game, a pretty dark game, an interesting game. I think, be, I think it's going to be a really fun one to talk about. So on Monday, if you uh, support us on Patreon, you'll see the post asking for your comment, your feedback, and they'll read it out loud for the deepest dive on What Remains of Edith Finch, which is going to be airing on Wednesday. And we should mention that it's on every platform. It's $20, but it is on sale for only $10 right now on the Epic Games Store if you want to check it out there. So we encourage you to play along with us and we'll have a good time talking about it. Uh, this Do month, you do a lot of movie options or no. do they ever win? <laughs> that was that was the first one we've ever done. Uh, oh, it was okay. kind of testing the waters and it was definitely second place. It was close, but yeah, what amazing! we have? Finch topped it, but it'd be fun to do more movies in the future and stuff. But uh, we have Beaten Down Brian as a supporter. He's been a huge supporter of Min Max overall um, and he's a saint who supported us at the you know, promotion tier for the podcast on Patreon and then didn't want to promote anything? I was like, there's got to be something, Brian. So he's like, ah, here's what I'll promote. He says... Do you like podcasts? Do you like questions? Do you like interviews with some fascinating folks? Well, have I got a show for you. The 99 Questions Podcast, an oddly numbered interview show where the ever-humble and ever-handsome host Bob Buell asks interesting people a set of curated, interesting questions. Heck, even I, TV's own Ben Hansen, has been a guest on it. As has Giant, uh, Giant Bomb's Jan Ochoa, Twitch's Mary Kish, and plenty of other good people you'll love to hear about. So subscribe to 99 Questions on all the podcasty things. My name is Ben Hansen, and I'm not reading any of this. All of it, is off the top of my head great thank you for plugging the, the <laughs> podcast from the community member bob bueller b no brian also we want to thank i am 8-bit for their support of MinMax overall they want to let everybody know that creature in the well the bizarre pinball-inspired brawler game that uh, is beloved. Uh, They are selling limited editions of it. Uh, They're only making 2,000 of these things for PS4 and Switch, and you can check it out at im8bit.com. If you buy anything from that store, which is fantastic, you can use the promo code MIDMAX to get 10% off. Brian Vore, you know I Am 8-Bit, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, John Gibson, uh, he's been doing crazy awesome stuff for many years now.
0: Yeah. Uh, And one of those crazy awesome things is agreeing to give uh, a prize away each week to a community member of uh, MinMax overall with the question of the week for the MinMax show. And so they sent a big box of stuff uh, for giving away this month, and I have not opened it. So this is a hot unboxing of what we're going to be giving away throughout the month here, thanks to Eight Bit and their generosity. Oh, look at this. Monument Valley, little doll with like bendable legs that you can strap it to whatever you want. Oh my God. Oh, hang on. This is good. Uh, they have a lot of albums for sale in their store. So let's see. Uh, first one looks like a soundtrack to Florence. Uh, that iOS game with an amazing soundtrack. Look at that art. That's fantastic. Uh, this is the Uncharted Lost Legacy. Yeah, Uncharted Lost Legacy soundtrack on vinyl. Awesome. Oh, wow. And the Donut County. Ooh. This is a thick-ass vinyl. Thank you so much, (laughs) I Am8Bit. Let's see. What do you guys think we should give away this week?
1: I love that Florence soundtrack.
0: All right. Let's do it. The Florence (laughs) vinyl goes to the best question we received. Uh, These questions are submitted over at patreon.com. slash have next two N's. So... We will choose our absolute favorite. So everybody, please help remember every single one that we read. And then that person will get shipped out this amazing Florence final soundtrack. Uh, Taylor Reich says, Brian Vohr, I've missed you. What have you been doing these last five years?
2: Oh, thanks. Uh, I've been trapped on an island mm. and uh, surviving off coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've just uh, been out in the Bay Area um, working on some games stuff out there, social media marketing type business and uh had a really good time out there it was it was great and uh met a lot of cool new people uh i loved uh san francisco uh culturally and um god they have so much uh cool places to eat cool things to do i was a really big fan of the outside lands music festival and the Clusterfest comedy festival um but yeah it was uh the traffic gets to you after a while and the insane expense of everything that you do at all.
0: That is mind so. boggling. Yeah. <laughs> and you had to drive up to like Novato every day, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That's mind boggling. Um, was it fun work? What's the takeaway after doing five years of tweeting about wrestlers?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was a great time. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh. Yeah big fan of uh of wrestling and uh
0: you're not burned out on wrestling well not
2: you know it's it's tough there's just so many hours of it every week now um you know for a while uh you the main main watching was maybe raw and uh you know nxt i know there's you know new japan there's all that crazy stuff but i try to kind of focus on that but i feel like now the must watch stuff is uh raw nxt smackdown it's all live and of course AEW. and uh you know watching that watching that live with commercials is real tough uh (laughs) but uh i i'm a really huge fan uh i found this like plugin where you can kind of fast forward things and i just love watching wrestling with just like the fast forward button on just everyone with super speedy voices you know (laughs) watching Watching the matches play out at Super Speed and like skipping commercials, like that's how I would have to do it now. Except maybe like the big pay per views and stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, and Marcus, I know you're a
2: big you're a big wrestling guy, right?
1: I am. Yeah. It's um. I agree with everything. There's a. It's a lot. It's uh. Especially it, like WWE alone has too too many hours of content, and then you get into like. AEW, Impact, Ring of Honor, New Japan. Um, it's like you want to keep up with everything, but you kind of got to be really selective. Like, even I haven't watched the weekly shows in, a, in their entirety in a while. I, like, I've just been looking up matches or promos that are like I'm interested in. Um, still watch the pay per views, but um, yeah, just because I've been busier, it's been harder to like just sit down and watch a three hour show <laughs> live. Yeah,
0: that's so mind boggling. Um, uh, yeah. Marcus, do you think if you. We're working in wrestling, you get fried, you get burned out, even if you're just tweeting about the games for five years. Do you think it's too much of a good thing?
1: Uh I don't know. I, I had I mean I had that fear getting into to this stuff That's in true. the back of my mind. Like, would I get fried of video games doing it all the time? And that hasn't happened at all. If anything, it's only enhanced that love. So I like to think with wrestling it would be the same.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know? I think so. I, I was very scared of that, too. Of Like, well, I love listening to podcasts about games, but if I start at Game Informer, what's that going to be like? And yeah, it turns out I still love them just as much. Like, it had very little <laughs> yeah. impact, yeah. So I'm happy to hear you still like wrestling, Brian. And how many times did you use the um, McMahon reaction gif? <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, there's, He had plenty of really good ones, but, um, you know... I didn't really use as much live action uh, stuff as as you'd think. You what? know, try to keep it focused on gaming stuff.
0: Oh, I see that world. Did they ever recreate that yeah. moment in a game? That seems like something they should have done for some easy eyeballs.
2: You know, there's uh, certain. Um, I think there were certain scenes that were like recreations of things that really happened, but I don't think, you know, there was a career mode of. <laughs> Uh, you know Vince McMahon being like dazzled by uh, a lady doing things. <laughs> you know I don't think that made it into the into the game.
1: That's their last. I should have been like the uh, after you graduate NXT and you meet Vince for the first time, you have to dazzle him. Mm. That's how you get on. Yeah, and that's how you get on the main roster if he falls out of his chair.
4: There we go.
0: Donny writes and says, "Hey everyone, what do you think will work out better in the short run and the long run?" Xbox's inclusion of Xbox One in new games along Series X for the next couple of years, or PlayStation's more immediate shift to just releasing their new titles for the PS5. So basically, long run, short run for blurry generational divides versus clean generational divides like PlayStation here. Like it's Great. um,
1: I've talked to some people, like friends that like like video games but aren't like super into them and like. You know, like, I'll tell them, like, oh, you know, new consoles are coming this this fall. And a lot of them like, oh, I didn't know. And then they'll, you know, like, ask me about them. And I'll mention, like, oh, well, the thing with Xbox, at least, is that, you know, for that first year, at least, like, every game's coming to both consoles. And uh, the, the, the general reaction has kind of been like, oh, so I don't need to get one day one. And it's like, no not really honestly (laughs) you really don't if you don't unless you're like an idiot like me that's going to do it anyway
4: but um
1: (laughs) yeah other than that yeah but like other than that no not really and then the bonus of like if you do get a game uh at least for some games you know if you get the new console you'll get that version anyway like cyberpunk so you know don't be afraid to invest so i i i can't i would have to imagine a lot of people are having that similar kind of like oh that looks cool but like i if if there isn't that exclusive game that's going to make me like even Halo is on Xbox One, right? Yeah. Um Infinite. So like even like their their launch title is gonna be on current gen hardware. And if that's gonna be the case, then why especially this year <laughs> with people's uh finances being kind of in the gutter, um why spend like five hundred bucks for a thing?
0: It you is know? it is such a weird duality of thinking like, oh, I think Microsoft has been really great at messaging just games overall for the last couple years, but thinking that they're really smart and really progressive and really interesting for the strategy, but at the same time, then just realizing like I have a PC. I, I don't know why I would ever buy that, but maybe that's just, you know, the big joke on their end is like, well, you're going to end up buying the games, you idiot. That's all we want you to do anyway. So <laughs> who's laughing now?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah they don't I don't care what okay. road you take to get to the game. As long as you buy the game. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'm still subscribed to Game Pass. They got my money. I think they're set. <laughs> yeah,
1: like like with Sony, it's like, okay, like I, I have to buy the PS5 to play this game. You might be like upset, but I guess you'll get it, so you're going to do it. Like, oh, that's just how it works, so I got to some... get this new console to play this. So
0: And there's something kind of exciting. Like, you want to have those moments of, like, dude, you got to come over and watch me play Horizon Zero Dawn 2 or whatever the launch game is, right? Yeah, like, got to see Godfall in action, <laughs> Yeah. Oh! <laughs>
5: <laughs> I, I was I was going to say that I I could see it working the other way in Microsoft's advantage just because if you are saying well okay I'm not going to jump in right now but I'm going to buy Cyberpunk then maybe thinking a year or two from now well okay I already own the next gen version if I do want to get into the next generation already like you can you can start locking people down that way but I think ultimately the the bigger issue is going to be those those exclusives and it doesn't it doesn't like the cutoff line doesn't matter nearly as much as sony's just going to have a bunch of exclusives that you're only going to be able to play on their system anyway and that's probably going to drive more decisions for which way people go
0: yeah it's it's a weird time for the industry and i figure out how this is going to go and it's i think in the short term i think this is going to be more successful for PlayStation of having that like PlayStation 5, come on down, buy this system. I think in the mm-hmm. long run, I think Microsoft is going to have a strong generation. I know it's weird to even call it a generation because everything's <laughs> so blurry at this point, but I think I think they're playing a, a smarter, longer game here than Sony.
3: And, yeah. and I do
5: think, oh, sorry, Charles.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I guess I was going to say is that like, this is like the blurriest a generation has been. Uh, regardless of uh, whether or not you do the hard cut, like uh, Sony, or you do the, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, really, you're just like bleeding into the next, uh, the next generation. Because of that, we're gonna see people still like wait for a while uh, and wait to be, I guess, wowed a little bit in terms of like, oh yeah, uh, have that that next gen game that you're like, oh, this is next gen. Uh, oh, oh, this is something that I cannot experience on the current uh, console that I have right now. Or I'll experience a vastly inferior version of it if I did get it on, like, an Xbox One or something.
0: Yeah. I wonder if they're going to have that weird moment, too, of, like, people streaming the Xbox One version of Halo Infinite versus the Xbox Series X. And it's like, I don't know how different it is. You know, because it's that weird moment, if you remember last generation, uh, when Titanfall was also released on 360... And like you looked at it, and it's like, Bluepoint did a hell of a job with that port, like to the point that it's like, yeah. I don't know if I need to buy this thing. So Microsoft was like, yeah, technically it's available for 360, please don't look at it, because like, I don't think they expected it to be that close. It was really shocking mm-hmm. overall.
5: I think one of the things that that kind of speaks to that, though, is their decision to do this game pass. And I think that is going to just become a bigger and bigger strength for them, Yeah. whereas Sony has their own exclusives that they're making, but if you it, I think it's a really easy selling point to say, okay, you're gonna you can still play you know ninety percent of the games that come out because they're third party anyway. But we're also just going to give you access to a bunch of them for you know a subscription like like you're paying for Netflix or whatever anyway. I I, I have been surprised and really pleasantly surprised by just how many how many times I've gone into Xbox Game Pass and said. Oh hey, this game's in there. Awesome. I wanted to check that out anyway. I think that that will start becoming a selling point as we go forward.
0: Yeah, like everybody with Hyperdot.
3: Oh right. you're gonna say super hot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's always on the tip of my tongue. I always want to catch yeah. myself.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to see too that speaking of blurred lines, that they are they came out with like specs first and also saying this is our backward compatibility strategy on like i guess both of them like they're trying to like be heavily like look look you still have uh access to all the old stuff so why not just bring them all up and you know experience uh them at better frame rates and faster loads and things like that
0: yeah yeah Sean Mason says, Hello, Ben and crew. When the PlayStation 5 reveal event eventually happens, what are the odds of a Ratchet and Clank game in the launch window for PlayStation 5? We've heard rumors about potential launch titles such as Demon's Souls Remake, Horizon Zero Dawn 2, Gran Turismo 7, but where is the love for Ratchet? It's been four years since the 2016 remake of the first game. Do you think Insomniac spared some resources towards a new entry?
1: I don't know about launch window, but I definitely see a new one for PS5.
0: There was um, when they revealed the new PlayStation Studios thing. You know, Microsoft also redesigned theirs not too long ago, and it's all just ripping off the the Marvel intro. Yeah, but like, on there yeah. It's, like it's interesting to see like what franchises they put on there. And I think like Uncharted's on there. I think Little Big Planet is on there, which is interesting at this mm-hmm. point. Um, and then obviously God of War, Last of Us, and then they have Ratchet and Clank on there, which is nice. Uh, no Jack and Daxter, so you know, might be hinting towards something in the future. You never know, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know if Insomniac it'd be a tough pull. Imagine they're pretty busy with Spider Man at this point. Um, but I do like how it's just seen as a, a lock at this point. They're like, "Wow, Blue Point's making that Demon Souls remake, Resident Evil Two, and Grand Turismo Seven at launch." Do you think that's going to be the case? Do you think that's what the launch of the PS Five is going to look like?
4: Mm.
1: So, like, like Godfall is a launch game, right? Wasn't it? Oh, uh,
0: I don't know. This is the one that um, Gearbox was publishing. Yeah, mm-hmm. the like, yeah. I maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know if they said, but well, I'll look it up. But um,
1: uh, Gran Turismo feels. I don't know why. Maybe because we haven't heard from Gran Turismo a lot. Like that feels like that would be a big surprise if that was. That
5: Gran Turismo always feels like a long shot for. Yeah, I mean, because we yeah. only get one like one every fifteen years, so you're,
0: <laughs> you're really putting down money if you're saying this is the year. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, if, and sport wasn't as long ago as I thought it was. Um, or like, yeah. So, I mean, who knows? But it's going to and be the, fun. To see and that.
5: the idea that we're going to get Horizon Zero Dawn two at launch too? That's I can kind of see that. I I can, but also I mean that launch is coming up fast, and mm-hmm. to have. have shown nothing for it like sony likes teasing their games for a while
0: well i mean i think it's because of the weird staggered or like delays of last of us and ghost and now Mm -hmm. i mean we should have known by the time people are listening to this what their launch lineup is so like it is right on the horizon it is right there but i mean three and a half years for cranking out horizon zero dawn 2 I mean, Gorilla, especially that team does not F around, I think it's doable. And in terms of a big yeah. thing to hang your head on at launch, I think yeah. that's, that's I mean, probably the best bet. I mean, Gorilla launched the
1: PS4 with Killzone Shadowfall, so mm-hmm. I can see them doing mm-hmm. that again.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They know how to hit that target for sure. Uh, Dan from Boston says When Sony and Microsoft, or with Sony and Microsoft struggling with a price point and new controllers that have no fundamental additions, is there a world in which the new consoles are shipped without controllers packed in?
1: no no
4: we have, no, we, we, have
1: so, no. we have enough riots in the street right
0: now <laughs> <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> sorry dan for boston no go uh josh laba says hey min maxers min with two n's thank you for pointing that out um i've had time lately to go back through my stack of 40 so ps2 games collecting dust in a closet 20 years later i have similar sized library of games for current gen consoles and pc but it's all nearly digital um, there is something to holding that disc in hand, knowing it was the game I played years ago. Today, games are never the game that come on the disc anymore. Final Seven remake, maybe one exception. I don't know that I'll ever have this walk in memory lane moment with my PS4. A time where I pick a game out of a stack, open it up, appreciate the blue shiny disc, and chuckle a little at the memories. Are physical games important to jogging your memories overall?
2: I think so. Like especially just going through a move. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> lots of crates of physical games but it's really funny when you see the the cutoff of like all right nintendo super nintendo and then smaller for playstation you know and playstation 2 like it just keeps like getting smaller each generation whereas like the amount of you know current gen games are like way way shrunk down to just this tiny thing
0: and now it looks like um, you barely own a Switch because like, yeah, I've got three boxes up there, I guess, if you want to look at some cases. But it's just is nowhere near representing the amount that you can play on your Switch.
2: Exactly. But on the other hand, I'm also just like, you know what? It's nice not to have to worry about some of these boxes getting destroyed in a move. Uh, and B, I've... I haven't really done very well with it, but I'm kind of part of the Marie Kondo revolution where it's oh, like, okay. just trying to like get rid of things and like try to minimize. Um, so it's nice having that like digital books, digital games um, have really, I especially appreciated them in the move, like just having a digital book library. Cause those things are heavy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's going to suck when I eventually move. Yeah. I is, you know, Same with the Game Gear. This last weekend, I went out to my parents' place and uh, I asked them to dig up all the old PlayStation 1 games that I had because in my mind, I'm like, oh, I have all these old PlayStation 1 games. I'm going to play Tony Hawk 1 again. This will be fun. And then I was kind of bummed out that even my PS1 collection is pretty small. I still have all the old demo discs, which is great. But it's (laughs) like, man, apparently I sold all of my beloved things, which I really regretted just not being able to have this moment that Josh had of like combing through every game because now it's just like... The weird remnants that were left at the end where it's like, all right, Tales of Destiny 2, I guess it's cool to have that physical version. But I have an empty case of Grandia 2 for Dreamcast. I don't know why I own this or why it was in my stack of PlayStation (laughs) games. It's just, it's sad. It's nice to have that one concrete place to look back through and have those memories.
3: Yeah, I guess that happened to me. Uh, I recently was going through my Xbox 360 library of games. Um, and I've gone through my physical library of Xbox 360 games more often than I have my digital. Okay. Uh, and the only times that I go through like my digital library is that I have a physical game that I want to play and then I boot up the Xbox 360. I'm like, oh geez, this is a old interface. And then I go and look and then see that there are still some things that are downloaded on here. I was like, oh yeah, I remember playing this, uh, Xbox live indie game, uh, uh, from back in the day uh, that like nobody remembers
0: time to play um, the but, ma again. Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah. Time to play the ma. <laughs> Um <laughs> But like, yeah, I it's, it's definitely something different where you're trying to like, you want, you want that experience, but yeah, you're not going to have that experience unless you're presented with it constantly. Or like there is an opportunity to be presented to that. Like, Oh, I just saw it hanging on my shelf. Uh, and you, then I can look at it. You know, it'd be a very, it'd be, digital.
0: it'd be a really dumb feature, but I do think there's an audience for it out there. If like the new consoles, if there was just some window, like a PlayStation home, like interface or something where you could just see a shelf and they have fake physical versions of all the games you've ever purchased for that system. I think it'd be mm-hmm. fun to look at instead of like scrolling through this list of like, okay, I guess I installed this demo back in 2014. It's mixed in with all these other things, the YouTube app. You know, it's just like it's nice to have one place to see everything mm-hmm. that you've purchased.
1: Imagine if it still around, you could actually physically
5: pull it with oh your hand.
0: My God, get Milo to pick true. out your favorite game for you. <laughs> Hell yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah, but there, there are you know like some digital book readers and stuff like that where they they put in the effort to say okay this is your shelf and and we will show you know virtual versions of them i w- i would like to have the ability to you know look at a look at a shelf of all the digital games that i have and be able to organize them you know Ooh. instead of just saying okay ascending or descending you know kind of right thing. yeah but but i i do wonder how like I, I just packed up all my 360 and PS3 era games too into boxes and put them into storage because they were taking up way too much room. And I, I did have that same kind of nostalgia, but I do wonder how much of that is just holding a physical thing versus holding a physical thing that's now, you know, 15 years old. Right. And I, I wonder I wonder if I could have that kind of nostalgia going through my digital library if it was 15 years from now versus... Right now, you know, all my PS4 games still feel much more recent, and it, and and at this point, it's kind of just like a big pile of shame of oh yeah, I have to re-download that and play more of that. But
0: yeah, I guess but it's if like... you could
5: just give it a little bit of interface, and you know, and and I like the fact that it's going to you know potentially carry carry with me for generations of future consoles and stuff. That's kind of nice. hopefully.
0: Yeah, it's like one like, thing
2: that's kind of scary though is, you know, isn't the Wii Store totally dead now? The original Wii. Yeah,
0: yeah like yeah. it's
2: kind of it's like I think I've got some licenses there, but you know, if if I want to get access to some of this stuff later, like at, at a certain point, it feels like what happens when this is shut down? It's not like necessarily, you know, on your iPhone or Apple, like when you have this mm-hmm. game, it's kind of follows you everywhere. And, you know, if it remains playable on the new operating system, like you'll always have access to it pretty easily. Um, it's kind of nice. It seems like at least with the, the new systems, they're very dedicated to like being able to play pretty much everything you can play now. Um,
0: unless it contains too much music. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So midnight satire says audio is an extremely important and often overlooked part of a lot of media. Uh, what are y'all's preferred gaming setup for audio? Headphones, home entertainment systems, and do you think game audio is talked about enough in reviews? Charles, I'm curious to hear mm-hmm. your take as a designer and also you compose all the music in uh, in Hyperdot?
3: <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess for the first part, uh, I tend to like play through like speakers. So if I'm on my computer, I'll play through speakers rather than headphones. Um and like I'll use the uh, I guess a sound bar or some other speaker for like a TV or something. Um, but yeah, in terms of like, uh, audio, like good audio, uh, the, what is the axiom, the idiom axiom, whatever the correct terminology for that is. idiom for, uh, (laughs) where uh, good audio is invisible. Um, where you normally don't talk about how good the audio is. You talk about the entire experience. Um, but you largely hear, uh, bad audio, stuff so like the more infamous things are like Mega Man 8 and the VO on that where it's like oh, why are we you know that kind of stuff <laughs> yeah. uh, or, or, or Mega Man X7 I, I don't know why I keep on bringing up Mega Man but Mega Man X7 and like some of the bosses uh, if you know Mega Man X7 then you know which boss I'm talking about um, like some of those things are like they're known for being bad audio uh, and you don't hear a lot about, I, I guess, good audio uh, in terms of like sound design or sound effects and, or uh, voiceover and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, I'm trying to think of a good example of audio. Uh, one game I haven't played, but I know I have more notoriety for it for its like sound effects than the actual game itself is uh, Black back on the Xbox oh, yeah. and PS2 that like everyone that I know who is like, Oh, I'm super into like sound def- or sound design and, and things like that, like cite black as an example of like elevating the game to a higher level be like purely based off of uh, the audio and the sound effects and like reloading a gun, firing, uh, firing a shot and like how well that makes that experience feel. And like, That is something that I totally want to like aspire to, to be able to be like, oh yes, because of this sound effect or this thing, you it gave you like such more impact and such more like, ah yes, I feel great, like I want to I want to reload again, and or something like that.
0: What did you Um, What did you learn in designing a game, especially like a game like yours where you die so often? About like the audio of like how not to get annoyed, you know. Because of the audio, when you die, you must be like yeah. softening and softening and softening, right?
3: Yeah. Um, so with the music in particular, um, uh, I wanted to have it so that like it can duck in and out of like you can you can pay attention to the music and be like, oh yeah, I'm like energized. I'm not necessary. I'm not necessarily uh, beaten down by the fact that I'm hearing this song over and over and over because you might be on a level for. A, a little while. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I want to have that so that, like, if it's, uh, if it's repetitive, it can be in the background so it's not uh, bothering you. Uh, and then, in terms of like uh, other like sound cues, I want to make sure that it's really obvious if you got hit, you got hit. Uh, or if uh, there's like a, a token, you collected a token, then like, you grabbed a token. It's like, here, here's like a huge audio cue that says you have done a thing. And I want you to make sure, or, I want to make sure that you know that you've done this thing. Uh, rather than have like some type of, uh, did I did I actually do a thing? Did I actually pull that off? Right. But, yeah. And then like yeah, the small other like small touches in terms of like uh, like sometimes uh, one thing that actually gets overlooked a lot is UI audio. Uh, so a lot, a lot of like just going through the menus and like clicking A and back and all that stuff. Uh, if you have really annoying selecting uh, sounds. You will not want to play the game anymore. You're like, you'll be like, oh, I keep hearing like <laughs> every time you move down, it's just super annoying. Uh, to the point where it's like, yeah, I don't want to be in the menu at all.
0: Yeah, um, you're lucky that Final Fantasy has an iconic sound at this point because I remember one time when I was a kid playing Final Fantasy Seven, my mom came in the room. She's like. What is that stupid bird sound? Like, what birds are you talking? And it was just like bleep, bleep, like just a sound of going through menus in a Final Fantasy. was yeah. driving her insane. But now it's like, well, that's just classic to the point that like I think Transistors UI, the Super Giant game. I think it, it's so mm-hmm. close to that Final Fantasy menu sound as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a huge advocate for surround sound. Like. <laughs> if I have friends who just do TV audio, it drives me insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> like at least get a dang sound bar or something like this TV audio is terrible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but even when you're playing by yourself, cause I'm actually shifting away from the surround sound to the point of like, hey, if you have friends over whatever TV audio, yeah, it's not going to be ideal, but it'll be fine. But just like the cost and the hassle of setting up that surround sound versus just a good pair of headphones. And I have found over the last, you know, five years or so I've gotten more and more into gaming with headphones on and like I feel like emotional games were emotional even like Final Fantasy 7 remake when I was playing with headphones I found myself getting more emotional just being so much more absorbed into it than when I was playing through it with surround sound
1: yeah feeling attacked because I don't have that Mm
0: -hmm.
2: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it seems like gaming on console I mean I know PCs had like easily obviously headphones were like easy to do there, but it seems like with console um, headphones are way easier to use now than ever before like for most of the part you just like plug straight into the controller right yeah and and you basically have somewhat simulation of kind of surround sound or I don't know if it's mostly stereo for you but
0: no it's it's the
5: best yeah it it seems like a lot of developers have really focused on that and and i'm I'm sure it's it's the issue of not everyone is going to go out and spend hundreds of dollars on a surround sound system, but almost everyone has, you know, a pair of headphones that they're willing to put on. And it seems like more and more people are buying nicer headphones. And so I I have noticed that a lot because I always, I do have a, still have a surround sound system. And so you really have to go into the menus right away to see what they have set as the default. And it right. seems like, it seems like, the headphone has becoming the more popular choice for, for a lot of developers.
2: Hmm.
0: Victor Fam writes and says, "Hello, Min Max crew. Just wanted to let you know. Oh, just wanted to know if you guys had any black voices in gaming that you wanted to elevate and draw attention to during this time, whether it's from the developer side or the content creation side, like podcasts, etc..:
2: Well, obviously, as a wrestling dork, uh, I really love uh, Xavier Woods up, up, down down channel um going through my e3 memories i remember when um i bumped into him with dan and he was talking about oh i got this new channel i'm working up um really excited uh to you know cover you know he likes to scratch that gaming itch like he's big into things outside of wrestling like gaming and cosplay and stuff and to see uh to see where that has gone over the years like it's it's nuts to see where the channel is now um and really cool
0: yeah, for sure, and like you know, goes back to E three memories too with him of being in the giant bomb green room, and he comes in. He's just a good example of just I mean, there's probably a lot of wrestlers like this or professional entertainers, but like obviously when somebody like that enters the enters the room, everybody immediately is like, "Who is this? Oh my god, it's some wrestler!" Uh, and just like the grace, and he was just. Immediately like, hey, good to see you. I'm Xavier. Good to meet you. And just like shaking everybody's hand. It's like it doesn't take that much more effort, I feel like, just to go above and beyond, especially somebody like that, when he knows that all eyes are on him, just to be as nice as possible. And so refreshing. I appreciated it so much. Just the way that he carried himself when in a crowd of strangers that are obviously looking at him.
1: Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's yeah. the nicest guy. Um a fellow former GI intern uh, Odell Harmon.
0: Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A uh, friend of mine. Uh, he's got, you know, he's been kicking around doing like games media for last several years. He's got his own uh, podcast, Full Circle. That's real good. I was on it once. Um, but he's a he's a great guy. He's been on like Kind of Funny and um, some other stuff um, over the last few years. But he's got like he's a hell of a personality. Great uh, mind mine for this uh very opinionated like never anyone that's ever been around him always like never boring always cheerful always just always has something to say <laughs> i've always had a great time like we've tr- gone to conventions together and room together um super talented dude uh thinks yeah uh, he deserves more yeah. uh notice honestly so.
0: I feel like his smile is permanently plastered on his face. I cannot picture his face without imagining <laughs> a smile like as big as a billboard, just ready to right? go and talk about Pokemon. Yeah.
1: Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Taught me so much about Pokemon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> too much. Charles is there somebody is that, that you me did? about Pokemon too. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Charles is there somebody that stands out for you.
3: Uh yeah, so um somebody that uh I met. Actually, I met at a GlitchCon, uh, which is a local convention. Uh, it was at 2015. Uh, is Richie Branson, um, and Richie Branson is a, a rapper uh, who also is a game developer. Um, so he was performing there, and then we uh, we got to talk and, and stuff like that. And uh, we've had like a friendship ever since. And like uh, now, Richie is now working at Cyonics and um, oh, not Psyonix. Uh, Harmonix. Oh. <laughs> um, still awesome (laughs) sorry yeah um and is uh like yeah is doing that and he also he's been doing uh work at like bleacher report and stuff like that but like um super pot like super positive uh like really inspirational and like is extremely talented uh at what he does
0: yeah uh obviously there's the austin walker uh like being a big fan of giant bomb when he came out of giant bomb was like who is this guy? How can one person be so smart? Uh, He's still doing a great job over there at Waypoint Radio and stuff like that, so it's always a delight to hear him talk. Uh, Brian Ventura says, hey, I've been thinking about a particular writing cliche that appears in countless game reviews. It goes like, quote, this game really makes you feel like X. Uh, The expression was brought to my attention by uh, Dunky on YouTube as being especially exploited for superhero game reviews. Apparently numerous reviewers agreed, quote, They really felt like Spider-Man when playing Insomniac Spider-Man in 2018. Now it seems the phrase is just a silly meme or something to roll your eyes at, but I'd like to consider, uh, I think the quote serves to recognize a truly deep sense of immersion. Is it silly or delusional to say that a game really makes me feel like I'm Batman or Spider-Man, or is it important to recognize this feeling in a game review?
1: I mean outside of a game about Batman and Spider-Man cuz I feel like if it's those games that's the number one thing they should be going for so I think that's okay but yeah like
0: I think it perhaps is. this
2: person grew up in a time where the superhero games are actually good um you know <laughs> in my childhood there were so many absolutely terrible superhero games and it's like it's like I don't know why why Batman has a gun you know like why <laughs> Why is there all this weird stuff that violates everything you know about the superhero? Um, yeah, maybe it's just a sign that a lot of the superhero games are some of the best around now.
0: That's true, but I wonder if you go back and read reviews for, like, Spider-Man on Atari, which is just an abomination. Like, I wonder, I thought <laughs> even the reviews back then were like, you feel like Spider-Man. I feel like it's been a cliche for a longer period than the games have actually been good.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that, like, is Spider-Man specifically? Like, would you... I guess I could see that for like if you're playing a really nimble character, like I don't know, like in a, a Prince of Persia, you're know, like running away, like man, I feel like Spider-Man because I'm jumping around, flipping.
0: Oh, and interesting. I guess that, so like outside it, of those games, even, yeah, yeah, hmm. like a, sh- a shorthand
1: to be like, oh, you control, like you're you're real nimble and you're flipping around and it feels real good. Yeah. Like I wouldn't use it personally, but
0: I wonder. Uh, I wonder how much. I don't know, Jeff. I'm like, do you worry about writing cliches? I know you're writing less now than you did at Game Informer, but it's just that thing of like, well, it's just a thing you write. Oh, I felt like Batman in this game, but it's like, well, what does that really mean? You just got your hands on a controller. Is this just an actual thought, or is it just a cliche that feels like it should go in review?
5: Yeah, it's it. It's always good to be alerted to those kind of things. I, I think it it is just one of those unconscious things that you know we we probably don't like. A lot of reviewers don't go out and read a bunch of reviews from other people a lot of the time when you're trying to kind of keep yourself isolated and and keep your opinion to yourself. So you may not be you may not recognize that, you know, the certain trends across a large group of opinion of reviews like that. But it's whenever I mean I will remember that from now on in terms of any other potential conversations I have about superhero games and not falling into that obvious trap
1: right mm-hmm. right do you do you feel like uh jeff and brian having written reviews like i think for batman specifically i think people reference like when they say that i think maybe they mean like the combat of like those arkham games because a lot of games have aped that like how do you feel about because i feel like there was a time when everyone's like oh this feels like batman but yeah. they were talking about the combat mm-hmm. and like
5: did that become like an issue after a while like did you guys ever I th- I think we generally tried just not there there is a larger pitfall there of, of just kind of explaining a game by pointing to other games that it's like. And yeah. and we always try to avoid that in general. But but the bat that Batman combat certainly is one that I'm sure snuck through in plenty of reviews at GI too.
0: Well there's a counter, yeah, there, so I, obviously I think Batman. with the
2: with the Batman combat it was like people didn't really have good 3D combat. You know, third person combat uh for such a long time and then when batman kind of cracked it everyone's like oh, okay if we just do this then people will be okay <laughs> we'll be <laughs> will accept us you know like so i think in some ways you want to tell people like hey if you're curious to how this feels like giving them some kind of anchor that they know can be handy at times yeah
0: uh steve Bamdad says uh no question here, but I, but Hanson, I recommend strongly that you don't give up on Devs, the TV show, and give it another shot. It's only eight episodes and a miniseries, and episode four has one of the most intense sequences I've ever seen in a TV show. Thank you, Steve. It seemed like a lot of people were yelling at me. Please don't give up on Devs, that Alex Garland show, because I, I watched the first episode and enjoyed it. But I took on a suggestion and went over and started watching Succession uh, instead. So maybe after I finish Succession, then I can jump back over to Devs. I don't know. Have you watched Devs at all, Brian?
2: You know, it's on my wish list. Uh, It'll be—I'm excited. I love uh, Alex Garland's work, and um, I just did a Parks and Rec uh, huge binge. Oh wow! uh, Because I had never watched it before that, so I really enjoyed all that, and I think it'd be really interesting to see Nick Offerman in a very seeming what seems to be a very different style of role. But I definitely want to watch it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It's funny. Yeah, I'm going through Parks and Rec as well. I also completely dodge that show which seems absurd so going through it now it turns out funnier than you think even the first first season a lot funnier than you think it would be is it fun
2: to see like the stuff that has been memed and gifted over the years be like that's
0: where that one's from man, <laughs> right there yeah yeah <laughs> uh doreen uh Claire says hey been in the clcs first time long time i was playing life is strange before the storms dlc called farewell uh, and it made me nearly sob from how moving and powerful it was. It got me thinking, has there ever been a game that really got you all emotionally? It doesn't have to be a full-on sob fest, but it could be. I uh, hope you all are staying safe and uh, hashtag Black Lives Matter. Thank you, Doreen. I should mention a lot of people wrote in um, just with uh, good vibes for, for Minneapolis and Black Lives Matter overall. So thank you for all those uh, great comments. But talking about games that made you emotional, what's at the top of everybody's stack?
3: Ooh, uh, so there was a year in which three different games, like, made me, uh, semi-emotional to, like, barely, like, not, like, I wasn't crying, but, like, I was, uh, like, on the verge of crying. Crystal Chronicles. Uh, it was Crystal Chronicles. <laughs> and that <laughs> Bleeding Edge and other meme-worthy <laughs> things. <laughs> no, um, uh, no, so it was, uh, The Walking Dead, uh, Telltale's Walking Dead Season 1, uh, that whole that whole experience, especially the ending of that, uh, was, I was like, oh, man, like it really got to me. Yeah. Um, uh, Last of Us. Uh, that one's a more obvious one. Uh, but there is plenty of times in that uh, where like I was uh, emotionally, uh, I guess, emotionally invested. I don't know a better way to say that. Um, and then uh, the other one is Journey. And
0: oh, interesting. Uh,
3: uh, with journey in particular, uh, it was me and my brother. Uh, I was playing the game, and my brother was just watching. Uh, and we were playing the game, and then we came across really early on in our in our journey uh, with uh, against with another uh, person. And throughout the entire time that we were playing uh, the game, we were with that one other person. Uh, and one time, they like fell off of a cliff, and we didn't uh, we couldn't see him anymore. And we were, we were freaking out. We were like, oh my goodness, no, not! we don't want to lose you. Um, so then we like voluntarily jumped off of the cliff to go to them to like make sure that they were okay. Um, so then throughout the entire, like, then we w- would like continue going forward uh, through the game. And then at the end when the, the credits rolled, uh, it shows you how many players you encountered. And it was just the one player.
4: Oh, wow. And we were like,
3: and then, like, me and my bro- brother just started, like, cr- uh, clapping. Like, we just were like, this was phenomenal. We, I don't know whether or not I would be able to play Journey again uh, because of that experience. Oh,
0: that's amazing. I hope they but felt yeah, that now- way about you, too. I hope it was a two-way street. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome to go <laughs> They're on. You're like, oh, this person. You can go on Miss Connections and just post that, see if you can find your Journey player. <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: uh, the beginning of The Last of Us, specifically, yeah. still gets me. And it sucks. Like the way that prologue ends is the probably the only time I've ever like truly teared up in a video game. Um, and it sucks when that game came out, I saw that intro three times in like a week because I started it, and then my roommate at the time started it, and then a friend came over and wanted to see what it was about. So we started a new game, so I had to watch this and every time without fail. <laughs> I Jeez, was just, like, man. I've already seen this, I, I should I know it's coming, but like Jesus Christ, like it's so well done. And um, uh, Final Fantasy X. Oh, kind of got me interesting. back in the day um, and um, a lot of it has to do with the music and actually recently on that same note uh, Final Fantasy 7 Remake um, nothing in a game like like story stuff specifically but <laughs> did
0: we lose him?
4: Yeah.
1: Oh.
0: oh no let's see uh, Jeffem do you want to try and guess what Marcus was going to say made of emotional <laughs> in Final Fantasy 7 Remake uh, that <laughs> cat right <laughs> I think he's back. Oh, you're back. Okay, sorry you cut out. What what made you emotional in Seven Remake?
1: uh dang, you nailed it. Yeah, Keith said. Um, no, uh, it was um like just hearing the uh the scores and specifically um when you meet Eris for the first time and her music kicks in. Yeah. Like, that hit me in a way I was not expecting.
0: Oh, and uh, like the crazy thing in the church, she was like, "Okay, Eris, theme on a piano, got it." And then it's just like, just keeps building till it feels like somebody is banging that theme out on a piano. It's just overwhelmingly good. Yeah. Like,
1: that whole chapter when you're, like, skipping on rooftops with her, I loved. um, And I was, like, it, I just got, like, surprisingly emotional watching it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Uh, I think for me, like, a quick... Like, I'm just scanning my brain. Like, those are all definitely in my list, for sure. Uh, but for a quick scan, like... I don't know if you guys played um Brothers that, like... Yeah. Uh, yes. On Xbox. I don't want to... I guess I don't know how spoiler don't you get. Don't do it. You guys, don't
0: do it. It's so amazing. Do it
2: or do not do it. Do not, don't do okay. It. But uh <laughs> that game has, you know, certain mechanics uh that you use throughout the game and then they are somehow changed and it's uh very, very well done.
0: Yeah, it's it's I think one of the greatest endings of all time. Like the game itself, I think people kind of forget that it's there's a fair amount of like mediocre puzzling going on in that game it's like it's fine it it's one notch above lego games puzzles you know but then the ending's just like oh that is so smart and so powerful it's just the best um sincerely eric writes in he says hey i have a question that helps plug better quest which is our new uh show with jeff cork which will be streaming on thursday at 7 p.m central and then it'll be up uh, both in the audio feed for Patreon supporters and on the YouTube channel. Anyways, Sincerely Eric says, What creative ways can people stay healthy while gaming? My best friend will do 10 push ups after every lost fight in Dragon Ball Z Fighters or Smash. I would like to do push ups through cutscenes, but still lack self motivation. Any other suggestions? Oh, also, I know Anna worked on helping uh, with cleanup in Minneapolis, and that kind of awesomeness is what makes me proud to be a Patreon supporter. Oh, well, thank you so much, Sincerely Eric. Um, yeah, little tricks to game healthier. Does anybody have anything?
3: Ring well, fit. I <laughs> just it. play Ring go Fit endlessly. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, it's yeah, Ring Fit is large. It's not literally. It's not like oh yes, I'm playing a Call of Duty match, and in between there, I'll do squats or whatever. Right. But um. But yeah, like trying to wrap it around in like a a video game sense that has been super helpful for me personally where I've been like, Oh yeah, I'll totally just play ring fit uh, for an hour versus yeah, I'll just do squats and pushups and whatever other things for an hour.
2: Right. Right. Brian? Still impossible to find. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah,
5: yeah. But you get exercise looking for it too. Cause oh, there you like, go. Yeah. Running, running from store to store. <laughs>
0: there you go. Brian, I remember being amazed going to your house back in Minneapolis before you moved away. Uh, because you're the first person I saw that had like the full treadmill set up in front of their TV. And I was like, this is it. You've cracked the code. I'd never considered this.
2: Oh my God. I, <laughs> for a long time there, I was, I had the elliptical set up and I had a TV like way up. So like I would play all kinds of stuff up there. Um, I had an Xbox 360, and, uh, that's the way to do it. Cause you're just not thinking about it. Um, Obviously, uh, haven't been able to do that for quite a long time, but now I do have a I have a treadmill here in a that's been in a box for more than a year or two. Well, I was originally going to do some a setup in my garage in my old place, and a series of events like you know there was some water leakage and this stuff had to be moved around and you know I had a had a kid so like all the child things that you need to have are like constantly shuffled in there and out. And, uh, so a lot of huge dumb excuses, but, uh, I think now that the, the treadmill is right over there, it's staring at me in its box. It looks like a big coffin. <laughs> like it's like, take me out of there and, uh, I'm going to start it up again. Nice. But yeah, I, I love that. I know, uh, I know I've seen some people online who, uh, play it. Eat, play destiny or like an MMO on a treadmill. And just like, they've just like lost so much weight. And then so, so jealous.
0: That's so tempting. <laughs> that seems great. Uh, James Smith has, says, Hey, Mr. H and the M team. Sure. Um, Do you think you've played your favorite game of all time yet? I think, I think wow. so. I think cell is such a powerful beast that I think it's safe to say we can all lock it in at this point. Right.
1: I, mean, I think so. Have, we all have one already, right?
0: Yeah, it's Final Fantasy VII. Marcus, what is it for you? Ah, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog two. Wow. Okay. All right, Jeffem. Uh, probably linked to the past. Still. Okay. All right, Charles. I think the Last of Us at
3: this
2: point.
0: Wow. Wow. Uh, Brian Voor is it Super Metroid? wait we didn't hear what you said what is it okay great
2: (laughs) yeah that's it yeah uh sometimes it's between that and chrono trigger but yeah super nintendo was pretty big era for me
0: i mean there's i mean that's the thing is last of us part two even if it's incredible is there any way i can dethrone the first one for you charles
3: I don't know. I guess like I was uh I guess I was part of the camp that was like, yeah, I don't want another Last of Us. I want this to be a one-off. Yeah. And then when they did Last of Us Part 2, uh it was a smart way to make it so that you can make a sequel to that. Uh and I'm eagerly uh, like anticipating it. I don't I guess I am excited and I'm hyped for it and I'm uh I want it to be really good, but I have my expectations lower to like it's not it's going to be nearly as good or as good Uh, i don't think that it'll like i don't want to have it so that i have like these preconceived uh, expectations of like yes it has to be the greatest thing ever right um, right right.
0: and even if it is as good as that first one which is going to be a high bar to clear Mm -hmm. at that point then it's like yeah but i guess the first one was more of a surprise for me
3: yeah and yeah the first one like I knew that it was going to be good, but I was, had zero hype for it because I was just like, well, it's Naughty Dog. It's going to be good. Yeah, we'll just check it off. But then when the reviews started coming in, I was like, oh. And then when I played it, I was like, oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah.
0: It makes me feel like Batman.
3: It makes me feel like Batman. <laughs> uh,
0: Anthony Brown writes in and says, Hello to all the Min Max crew. Plus extra. Hello. Uh, I've been playing PSO2, Fantasy Star Online 2, since it launched last week on PC. I decided to play it because I loved playing PSO on the GameCube when I was a kid and the nostalgia continues to this day. What game series do you think has the longest period between sequels? Yes, I know Fantasy Star Online 2 came out in Japan in 2012, but still. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a decent gap. I mean, so around... Thirteen, fourteen years for that. Can anybody top that for game sequels and the gap between them?
2: If you're, if you're doing numbered sequels, uh, I was just looking through those old E3 photos from 2005. Yeah, uh, and they were promoting Kingdom Hearts 2.
0: <laughs> well, but I don't know. It can't be like I like entries. Period. But numbered sequel—that's a good. That's a good number. Like the spin-off. A of fire, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think they do. I think just time since a new entry. I think... What about... Oh, oh so it was
1: Shenmue 3.
0: Oh, yeah. That's a really good one. So, two... Wait. two 2002? What?
1: Wasn't 2, like, oh
0: four? I think Shenmue, Shenmue 2 was 2002. Or was it early? Uh, oh, yeah. I think just because we just went through that decade uh, on the latest episode... Oh, Shamu 2 was 2001. Okay, so oh, 18 sorry. years solid. Oh, I, I have you beat by one year, though, with Kid Icarus. Because Kid Icarus on the Game Boy oh. was Of Myths and Monsters. That was 1991. And then Uprising was 2010. So 19 oh, okay. years. Uh, Hanson, yeah. how, how about Chex Quest? But that's a remake. I don't care. <laughs>
5: <laughs> that was the best okay. I could do. I Not didn't,
0: bad. I didn't... <laughs> I didn't
5: get this prompt before we started. So, All right. uh, That's, <laughs> That's not
0: head. bad. Uh, write in if you can top that, please. I'm curious to get the hive mind of the internet to see if there's a bigger gap. There's got to be some Real weird...
3: Quick. Oh. Yeah, would, would you consider Duke Nukem Forever a sequel? Yeah, of course. So I guess, yeah, then that one's a pretty long one. I don't think that it's Kid Icarus long.
0: Let's see. Duke Nukem series. Because Duke Nukem Forever was, what, 2013? Oh, boy. 2010? 2011, I guess. No, 2011. And then, of course, the Duke Nukem Wikipedia entry, which is actually my homepage. Um, oh. So 1996 was Duke, nu- Duke Nukem 3D. So that's up there. I can't do math, but um, everybody knows that apparently that's 15 years. So that's a good entry. <laughs> <laughs> Try and top it, community. Um, Nate McClellan says, hello. Olfenstein. What's that? <laughs> what was that? What
2: Wolfenstein? Ooh. Ooh. that's a well, good Well,
0: no, because there was like the Activision Wolfensteins. Oh, the Raven. Uh, ah. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 I ruined it. Yep. Yeah. No dice. No <laughs> uh, Nate McClellan says, Hello, Ben, Marcus, and Brian Vore? Question mark? And others. How long do you think it'll be until we're watching full-length movies in Fortnite? They've shown trailers, have hosted concerts, and even promoted Rise of Skywalker in the game. So how long until Epic gets permission from a movie studio to do a, quote, movies at the park kind of deal and show a movie? Keep up the great work and I'm looking forward to Better Quest. Thank you. Uh, he says that he thinks it'd be cool and he doesn't even play Fortnite. Does that defeat the purpose? If it's just there to promote things, like that's the reason these companies are all about it. Is it just kind of giving away the cow? If they're like, hey, come in here and just watch Rise of Skywalker.
5: Does it have to be a new like movie
1: yeah. or just any movie? Oh, that's interesting.
5: I, I would say they they'd probably do, you know, like, Oh, here's the original How to Train Your Dragon. Now go watch the new one, you know, when it comes out or whatever. Yeah. God, because yeah,
1: in that case, I, I will say before this year ends. I think I'm think surprised it hasn't
5: happened already. Maybe
0: it has <laughs> We've missed it. I know they had like that Tenet clip, but I forget if they actually screened Inception in there. Um, yeah, yeah I think if they, if any studio even
2: hinted at wanting to do that, Epic would be like, yes,
0: yes, 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 we'll take it. Yeah. Nice. Um,
2: <laughs> And also, this question would be very different, too, if there wasn't pre-pandemic versus current. Like, as the longer we don't know how real movie theaters are going to open up, their studios are going to be looking at different ways to deliver their films. And this kind of is an interesting vibe of how they can make you feel like you're watching a movie with people, but in a virtual space that's safe, at least for, you know, spreading...
0: Yeah. So if they decide to release Tenet like digitally, just have some sort of Fortnite debut of it. And then Christopher Nolan can roll in his grave as people are (laughs) jumping with pickaxes in front of the screen for two and a half
1: hours. Would it be cool just to stream the movie Battle Royale in a Battle Royale?
0: Ooh, (laughs) that would be great. Yeah, that's a fun idea. (laughs) At this point, yeah, they, they're they not scared of competition. They should just stream, like, PUBG, PUBG matches within Fortnite as well. <laughs> just, like, fully invert it. Why not? Yep. Uh, Jonathan Dinn says, hey, been in the CLCs. What game have you played that for some reason or another made you, made you platinum or get all the achievements? For me, it was the original Catherine on 360. For some reason, I was compelled to get all the achievements, but I normally am not one to platinum or get 100%. Hmm. I've
3: had a couple of non, like, non-platinum moments i guess uh i've had like uh like nintendo related non-achievement stuff oh okay. where i'm like oh yeah i'm playing this random game and then i get a little bit into it i'm like oh i have to complete this game now um uh, a random game a semi-random game on the switch is hiroki um you play as a Helicopter guy and you're like trying to navigate all these uh levels and stuff, but you have like a bunch of collectibles. It's a semi collectathon kind of thing. Uh and then I got really into it and then it was just that's all I was doing. It was like I gotta I have to complete this. Um in terms of platinums, uh I'm I've had many attempts but have failed at doing platinums. I'm so um, sorry. i know i'm also uh i also apologize Uh, i'm the close the one that is like the biggest shame that i have not gone back to yet is uh, a marvel spider-man um i'm like four trophies away from platinuming it but i have to one of the trophies is replay the game um so that's part of the reason why i have not done that
0: oh that's a weird one huh uh rich mclaughlin says hey y'all what's a game trapped on an old console that you'd love to see ported or remastered for current gen
2: I I'd love I'd love to see that um the Metroid to two D Metroid two point five D Metroid that was on three D. I know this is not super old, but the three D S Metroid, uh I'd love to see that on the Switch.
0: Oh, so like the remake like, of Metroid two, just just port yeah. that? Yeah. That's a good bet. I co co-signed that. All <laughs> right, and now it's there's, gonna happen.
1: There's a really um this this game popped up randomly, but I I loved it. There's a game called Rogue Galaxy for PS2.
0: Yeah,
1: it was the the level five kind of third person RPG we played as like space pirates. Yeah, um, no one ever really talks about it, but I remember loving it back in the day and like finished it. And I've always wondered, like, I mean, I guess I'm not surprised it hasn't ever been revisited because I don't I don't know how it's sold, but. Like, I was like, man, it'd probably be safe to just, like, why not just put that on Switch or, or something? I, I'd probably play that game again. I like that game.
0: Yeah. God, so. I wonder who owns the rights to that at this point. Still level five, wasn't it? Right. Did they publish it, though? I think so. Weird. Maybe. Yeah. God, I completely <laughs> forgot about that game, but there was a blip there, I remember, where everybody was like, no, oh, this game rules. Yeah. It ran like your own little factory. Yeah. It's so bizarre. <laughs> um, I was thinking of like old PC games that uh, are just dead in the water, something like SimCopter could bring that back. And I was thinking even, <laughs> what if what if like uh, City Skylines, those folks, they made their version mm-hmm. of SimCopter. They already, you know, made a better version of SimCity than EA did. Now they can just make that and then have that interconnection as well. So you can fly the copter through your city skyline cities. That would be sweet.
3: Oh Perfect. my goodness. <laughs> hmm.
0: I like the framing that Rich has here, though, of calling it Trapped. Because that's how it feels. It's like, oh, God, that game is just locked away forever on that PS3 with no way of getting off. (laughs) So
1: sad. Does uh, does PT count?
0: I guess so. Yeah, it's kind of the ultimate Trapped game. It's Trapped because it's too scary. (laughs) Uh, Jason Wojnar says, hello, folks. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, but you recently decided to rent out your spare room. And the four silent protagonists have answered the call. Gordon Freeman, Chrono, Link, and Claude Speed from GTA 3. I never knew his last name was Speed. I didn't know he had a last name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which one do you let rent out the room? In this scenario, you're living as you do now, so keep in mind when choosing the roommate. Which one would you feel safe living under the same roof as your children and wouldn't make your spouse or loved one want to leave? So Gordon, Chrono, Link, or Claude?
3: Uh I mean, it would have to be between Chrono and Gordon, right? Because if it was Link, pots would be broken.
0: How many pots do you have sent you your house? Really. <laughs> I didn't even <laughs> think about True. that. He would destroy your house. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the house been... has a lot of potted plants. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Link's gone. Also, he's just, he's very loud. He doesn't talk a lot. But when he does, he's just screaming, Ah, yeah! I it won't do. do. <laughs>
1: Stumped his toe in the doorway in the morning.
0: Yep. Claude is a serial killer so probably yeah, no Claude. yeah he'll uh,
1: yeah. bring home if a lot of
0: money though that is true that is
1: true and he'll <laughs> park a lot of sweet cars in our garage The as long as you don't ask questions
2: <laughs> for gordon you'd have to worry about your crates yeah mm.
1: but like i don't uh, have many crates <laughs> i feel like i just of, I, I just packed my crates away recently oh, <laughs> out of
0: anybody here i feel like gordon has the potential to be the most chill I'm sure now he's just a frazzled mess because he's killed too many headcrabs and he's nuts. But at the same time, it's like he's a scientist, he's a smart guy. I feel like if you took him out of that environment, he'd be able to be quiet and crunch some numbers and just, you know, stalk old girlfriends on Facebook or whatever the hell Gordon Freeman would do in his spare time, right?
5: Does yeah, he? Until G-Man shows up though, and like, ooh,
0: ooh so you got to think of connection. Open
5: some portal into your home and aliens start spilling out.
1: That's true. Do these characters come with their baggage? I don't like, know. Are, like, are there villains going to come after them in our house? Like, is Ganon going to show up if I invite Link over?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's also a good point.
0: Is, is Crono uh, just the safe bet here? I think Crono's just a yeah. random dude. Yeah, he's you just know? A, he kind of yeah. gets
1: pulled into his adventure, right?
0: Yeah. Like, he does it's have not a, like. Can you imagine, like, waking up and walking through your kitchen, though, and he's just got that sword... Just always dangling off him. He's always ready for a fight. He's in his weird pose, ready to fight at any moment. That's
1: it, pretty cool. He'd probably teach you like how to do some cool team-up attacks.
0: Ooh, but think about this, Marcus. Chrono in the in the bathroom every morning, getting that Toriyama hair ready to go. That's a long, <laughs> long time.
1: And it's true. Yeah, it's true. Cutting
2: cutting your sandwiches with an X.
0: I <laughs> know, <laughs> oh, Frog's here, Perfect. too. Perfect. Oh, come on. <laughs> Well, I guess if Frog is coming, then of course he has to come by, because I would like to live with Frog. I would like to marry Frog. So oh, that's like true.
1: It if he invites everyone over, you have like cool parties every night, Dave, <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. Magus right. can't
0: come inside. He just sucks too bad. <laughs> <laughs> this weird pouting weirdo. Uh, all right. Chrono, come on in. Here we go. Uh, okay. What do you guys like for question of the week? Mm. Uh, oh, I hear rumblings of thoughts.
2: Roommate question, I think, got us to be the most creative. I don't know. It
0: is true. That's a good one. I like the physical games one. I like just the classic console bore about what's the Mm -hmm. smarter play, or I like the biggest gap between games.
3: Yeah, I like the Mm. biggest gap, and I liked the emotions one. Mm. Um, and I also like the 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 uh, console generation one. That one is yeah. Which
1: question? Which question made me feel like Batman the most?
3: <laughs> <laughs> you got one, Marcus? Does one stand out for you?
1: Um, man, I, it, I think it's coming down to the roommate, the, um, the console generation question, and the, uh, the biggest gap. Okay. Those are, some, those are some real
0: thinkers. I like the biggest gap. I hadn't thought about it before. Jeff, can you sign off on that? sure All right, Anthony Brown congratulations Uh, you win this amazing vinyl soundtrack for Florence thanks to I Am 8-Bit so thank you so much they'll ship out a brand new copy not the one that I opened I promise Uh, and now it's time for Get a Load of This cue the music oh you know how the show (laughs) operates Charles my god Uh, do you want to go first Charles
3: Uh, sure Uh, so Get a Load of This woo um I know. Uh, so, amongst all of the the craziness, um, there was a uh, recently there was a speed run record broken from uh, Mario sixty four uh, for the one hundred and twenty uh, star world record. And uh, what happened immediately after that uh, that happened? Uh, the the streamer uh, simply n sixty four n sixty four told his, uh, parents this and the things that proceed afterwards is like the most, the most super, it's like super wholesome. So, uh, like heartwarming, uh, that I would highly, highly recommend, uh, watching that, uh, because it's just, so it's like, it lifts your spirits.
0: Ha. So this YouTube clip. It'll be in the description for the YouTuber or, or audio version of the show. All right. That's sweet. Do you have fun? Uh, get a
5: load of this, uh, Asmodee, which is a big board game publisher, has been doing this cool thing where they they've created an entire website of print and play games since everyone, you know, a bunch of tabletop people are stuck at home alone. Um, And so it allows you to print off kind of smaller versions of a lot of their games. But one of them is a is a ticket to ride kind of like pseudo expansion that's called ticket to ride uh, at home, I think. And it's basically the map, instead of being a map of America or whatever other country that you're building trains around, it's just a map of someone's house. And all the different routes are, like, from the refrigerator to the couch and what? stuff. And, and so if you, if you have a copy of the game, it still uses the trains as as the pieces that you're building out, but then you kind of print out cards, you know, for, like, different family members of where they want to go to and stuff. And it it's just a very cute, fun, free thing that they put out there to kind of... Help people, people busy and have fun during yeah. the pandemic.
0: Oh, so. well, That's awesome. Yeah, I saw that they made, um, what's it called? Print? What? Print, print and, and play? Print and play version of uh Pandemic as well, which is like a shorter version, which might be mentioned in an upcoming uh, max interview. I think I'll probably put that live hmm. on Friday. So look forward to that. Uh, Marcus Stewart? Yeah, this is, uh, get a load
1: of this. This is uh, a couple of weeks old, but I think it uh still helps is that, uh so uh, John Krasinski, actor, has like his own like like news show on youtube called some good news yeah that him and his wife emily blunt have been doing i don't know how old it is i had it randomly recommended to me on youtube but it's i think they just started doing it during the pandemic with them at home yep and it's just them highlighting like just really awesome good stuff happening in the world like just videos of people either doing funny or cute or just uplifting things and they uh i I saw an episode where they uh literally married a couple that were, like, huge Office fans. And I guess, like, the um the guy, like, recreated the proposal of, of Jim to Pam, like, at a gas station. Oh, wow. And so, like, he found them on Twitter and had them, like, do a surprise Zoom wedding where he had, like, both of their families pop up and then had, like, a bunch of the Office cast come in. And um, all take place in this, like, surprise Zoom wedding. And he got, like, ordained as a minister and married them right there. Wow. And, and then it just ends with this giant, like, dance party with all the office cats. Kind of, again, like, recreating the, the, the wedding from the show. That's and it was, like, it was, like, so much fun to watch. And, like, like the whole uh, episode's great. And I guess, like, I looked at some of the previous episodes. Like, it's just the silliest, like, just the two, like, him and his wife just having a good time making these kind of homemade new sketches, but that put a huge smile on my face. Well,
0: I hate to take the smile off your face, but I don't know if you saw that the internet was outraged because he sold the show to CBS and people were like, you sold out Krasinski. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. So now it's all going to be just about plugging CSI or something. So please look forward to that. Uh, Brian Moore, you got one?
2: Yeah. um, Mine is an upcoming event that I'm looking forward to, uh, I saw that uh, Sesame street is teaming up with CNN, uh, for a town hall called coming together, standing up to racism. Uh, very much excited to see, uh, obviously Sesame street for decades has been, uh, you know, a great resource to kind of talk to kids and adults alike about, uh, you know, various issues. Um, and, uh, I know they've already done one on kind of COVID, like how to kind of talk to COVID with your kids. Uh and very much excited to see how they do this. Uh it's supposed to happen uh I think on Saturday morning. I don't have the exact time in front of me, but are you gonna sit the kid in front of of the TV?
0: What's that? Are you gonna sit the kid in front of the TV and make a whole event of it?
2: Uh maybe. She's not necessarily uh she loves Sesame Street in general, but I don't know if (laughs) if she's uh you know, doesn't necessarily understand, uh, words,
0: (laughs) let alone outside of,
2: outside of flowers. And, uh, she has a giant teddy bear named Bobby. Uh, (laughs) but, uh, I think, I think it will be handy, especially for, you know, uh, a lot of people with, you know, kids older than mine.
0: Yeah, for sure. That's a great one. Uh, but I'm sorry you didn't say get a load of this, so I guess nobody can check it out. Um, Hey, get a load of this. Um, (laughs) There's a Patreon called RKG. I think they split off from uh, IGN. Charles, do you know them? I'm not familiar. Okay, but anyways, the point is, they were streaming this game, and I didn't know what the hell it was, but it's called GeoGuessr. Maybe this is old. Maybe everybody knows GeoGuessr, but it's geo and then guesser, but without the last E, so it's just SSR at the end there. Um, But it's a game... You can go to their site, you can play it once a day for free, which is is a fair amount of time. Um, And what it is, is it's like takes Google Earth and just drops you randomly in a place. And you can set a time limit if you want. So you're dropped randomly in a place and you have to figure out where you are. And then you have a world map and you drop a pin where you think you are and then you get points based on how close you are. And it's five rounds of that. But I played it last week and I had such a good time because you're just... Dropped in and immediately, like, it's fun to play with a group because it's like, South America. uh, I think this is Africa. Uh, Is this? I think this might be India. And just everybody trying to then comb through looking for details and, like, trying to zoom in on signs to get any idea. You end up Googling a lot of words in other languages trying to figure out where you are. And we did one where I'm sure this isn't impressive at all, but we're in some back country. It's just rolling green hills trying to figure things out. And there's some sign mentioning something. And we dropped the pin. And it turns out we were like a thousand yards away from this place in New Zealand. Like, yeah. man, getting it down to a thousand yards is crazy. Um, and it's really fun to then compete with friends about what the high score is Dang. overall. But I would so.
1: say Greenhill, Montana.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring it up. Don't bring Hill. it up. <laughs> uh, do we have a community to get a load of this pulled from the Discord, Jeff? Uh,
5: yeah, we do. Get a load of this. Uh, Nick DeFeo posted this one. Um, it is a tweet from someone named Parida Cassandra. Uh and it's it says how to don how to donate money to Black Lives Matter when you have no money. And basically I'm not sure if she did it or someone else, but she's linking to a YouTube video um that's an hour long, that's basically music and stuff, but they added a, a bunch of ads to it. And so the ads will make the revenue and then they're going to oh donate God. donate the money um to Black Lives Matters. Uh, And so they they said basically you can just leave you can listen to the music because it's all music from black artists and stuff. Uh, But then you can just leave it on loop. And every time that one of the ads plays, it will, you know, make a little money. And and it's gotten five million views at this point. So it's presumably making
0: a decent amount. That's it's rare in 2020 to be struck by a new idea on the Internet. But that is so smart. God, that's amazing. Uh, wow. There we go. Um, yeah, so we'll put the link down in the, in the video. Yeah. Great choice. Uh, let's see. Marcus, what would you like to plug, sir?
1: Um, you can check me out on my YouTube channel. Like you said earlier, Marcus makes media. I got my finishing the fight Halo series. So if you're a fan of Halo and want to watch me, uh, semi bumble my way through those, uh, last few games, you can check that out. Also, uh, my Twitter is at Marcus Stewart seven. It's the number seven. And I'm also on Twitch at Marcus Streams Games. I'm streaming Assassin's Creed Odyssey right now, trying to get through that before Valhalla comes out. Oh, boy. And uh, my personal website uh, for uh, slash portfolio for, like, my written stuff because I write uh, game reviews uh, mostly for Screenrant and some other sites, Uh, MarcusWritesAboutGames.wordpress.com. Hit me up.
0: Sweet. If people check out your YouTube channel, what do you think is your best archive stream or your best video there? What is a good place to start? (sighs) oh <sighs> um you know what
1: how about 30 days of backlog that's Just all that archived in one playlist that's where i played a, uh during uh, the lockdown here in florida i played a different game for my backlog every day for 30 days straight so it's a nice little poo-poo platter <laughs> <laughs> of me playing video games uh so there's probably something in there that you're like oh i like that game so
0: try that out that's awesome uh charles mcgregor what would you like to plug sir
3: uh, yeah, uh, I guess I would plug Tribe Games, so you can follow Tribe Games, at Tribe Games uh, on Twitter, or me personally, uh, at DarkaysTG. Um, And please play my game. I, I, I made it. I really want, I want you to play it, please. <laughs> and It's, uh, you, it's HyperDot. <laughs> it's not super hot. It's HyperDot. Um, uh, but yeah, you can play uh, HyperDot on uh, various platforms like Steam, so PC, Mac, Linux, uh, itch.io, um, and then also on Xbox and windows 10 as play anywhere. Uh, and if you have Xbox, uh, if you have Xbox game pass, uh, you can also play it uh, from that.
0: Awesome. And we're so close to getting those steam reviews. So if you do play it on steam, please write out a review. Yes, please. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, Brian, anything you'd like to plug in your, in your new life over here in Minnesota?
2: I guess the other thing that comes to mind, uh, is um, having a good time with Ross Fund, who uh, was, uh, has been on uh, some of your podcasts for some Star Wars content. He's the Star Wars Always guy, good yeah. Job. Uh, we have a just an informal uh, fun thing we like to do called the Nintendo Fun Club, where we just kind of play through some games. We don't stream it. Uh, we kind of talk about it on Twitter sometimes.
0: What are you uh, doing? Why don't you stream that?
2: Uh, we probably should. We so always we just like slowly play it and then text each other about it. Uh, <laughs> How I'm really to dragging, dragging the group down. <laughs> 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 I'm dragging the group down. Uh, I'm supposed to be playing through a bunch of Wall Street kid. And uh, ugh, it's uh, I really just need to hop on it. And then I have to pick the next game. So I'm really I really feel bad. Sorry, Ross and Dusty.
0: <laughs> Great. Well, OK, well, maybe you guys can stream it and then you'll be pressured socially to participate more. Okay, I assume you nodded uh, completely even <laughs> though your audio cut out. Uh, great, and thank you to all of uh, the supporters on Patreon at patreon.com slash from 2 Ends, and especially the $50 supporters who are <gasps> as following <gasps> I am 8-Bit, Beaten Down Brian, Krista Knutson, Nick DeFeo, Rebecca Long, Zachary Pluggy, The Smack, Mark Seliga, Joarhello, Andrew Valla, Bob Buell, Jesse Vitelli, Marco Arrico-Torreno, Timebomb Tom, Yarrow, Josh Elliott, Captain Stubbs 1, Tyler Carver, Michael Jakes, Christian King, Adam Walker, J.T. Fells, Ian e. t Clark, Ludwig Roquet Steve Bamdad, Andrew Sanford, Matthew Paxson, David Localucci, and Midnight Satire. Thank you so much, everybody. Be good, have fun, Let's go.